Avast, G-Mateys. It's me, Kevin Smith. Jason Mewes. Have you ever wanted to get lost on the high seas with Jay and Silent Bob? Well, now you're going to have your chance. Go to jayandsilentbobcruiseaskew.com right now and sign up for Jay and Silent Bob's Cruise Askew. What are you waiting for, man? Get lost at sea with Jay and Silent Bob. Let's do it. All right, Scum and Villainy, make some noise. Please welcome in Kevin Smith and Mark Bernardin for Fat Man Beyond, episode number 400. Welcome to Fat Man Beyond. I'm Kevin Smith. I'm Mark Bernard. Hey! Kids, it has been, uh, JC just told us it has been over a year since we've done this. April of 2022 was mm. the last time we did Fat Man Beyond in this space. And I figured I better put on the brightest jersey I possibly could <laughs> so I could be fucking seen. Over a year, what have we been doing? Uh, I've been on strike. That's right. Are you allowed to come up with anything original here? Basically, you just have to repeat shit from other shows. This is going to be greatest hits. (laughs) Um, It has been a fucking goddamn minute. How's everybody doing tonight? Uh, Deep apologies. I was just sleeping up until about seven minutes ago. So I'm still getting my bearings under me and shit. I forgot that people put shit on the bar and whatnot. I was like, look at this. Why do they clean up? Um, so fucking lovely to be here, kids. Uh, this, uh, for those who are just tuning in at home or for anyone who's sitting in the audience without knowing it, is episode, give or take, 400 of Fat Man Beyond. You ever done anything 400 times? Woke up. Masturbate. Not in a row. Yeah. <laughs> I have it chafes. <laughs> this is pretty amazing, kids. Thanks for coming out. You sold us out. The place is fucking packed. And I'm sure we got a fucking show to do. Do we have a show to do? We got a show to do. You got info and shit like I that? I got some news. Anybody in the room see The Flash yet? Yeah. Nobody? Did you? A fucking Deacon did. <laughs> fucking Deacon. Deacon went to, to uh, not show us. What is it called? CinemaCon. And he saw it. Uh, and so did my boy Ernie back home, my Smodcastle uh, partner. And all I hear are religious, amazing things. Uh, I, in, the, in my absence, of course, one of the things I did was I went crazy. And I went to a fucking mental health facility and shit. And the only thing that's keeping me alive is fucking Michael Keaton Batman. <laughs> that's what I've been waiting for. Drinks? Yeah, I'm a little. You brought your own fucking drinks. I, I did. I came I did prepared not. and shit. I was like, uh, I'm going to a bar. It's weird for me to bring drinks to a bar. Good point. Like I said, I went fucking crazy, Mark. Don't trigger me. Um, Me and Mark struck this week. Mark's been striking for like two weeks or whatever the fuck. Three. Three. Is that right? Uh, And it looked so fun. I was like, can I go strike too? And uh, he brought me out. We went on a strike date this week. It was adorable. It was kind of sweet. The, the really cool thing is, like, you see people and you meet a lot of fucking people uh, walking back and forth. At one point, point, Mark is sitting there saying hi to some cats. Tall guy and a short guy and shit. 
And he goes, oh, this is uh, Drew and Brian. I was like, what's up? And then they were talking amongst themselves and shit. Then when we left and we crossed the street, we went to different paths. I was like, who is that? And Mark was like, oh, that's Drew Goddard and, and Brian K. Vaughn. I was like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> you should have said their last names and shit. And then we passed him again. So I got to be like, he didn't fucking say your last names. I'm a huge fucking fan. And Brian was convinced that you hated him? Yeah, Brian K. Vaughn was like, I was pretty sure you hated me. And I was like, no, no. Just how talented you are. Because you just like, you skipped across the street. You were like, fuck waiting for this light. I'm gone. I was that, like, oh. My well. East Coast and me came out while we were doing the strike because we were in front of Universal and part of the block was like shut down. So you couldn't just go up and down in front of the gates. You had to at one point cross the street, go over and then cross the street again to get to the last two gates. And every fucking writer, man, like dutifully waiting for the light to change and shit as if they all didn't come from the East Coast or something like that. <laughs> And I just started crossing against the light. And there was a crossing guard at one point. He was like, hey. And I was like, fucking strike. <laughs> I got a sign. Uh, but I did. I motored across the street. And uh, I didn't get to say hi. But then I, we ran into him again. And that was fun. Like meeting people and fucking saying hi. A lot of people uh, who are like baby writers. Not even baby writers. Writers, writers. Who were just like, holy shit. You did a thing that made me want to do a thing. And that was very sweet. A lot of people were like, I saw you went crazy. Me too. And I was like, right on. It was, it was pretty fucking sweet. It was, I'm ready to strike again. You tell me when. Let's do it, man. Right. Wednesday? You Wednesday? Good for Wednesday? I can do Wednesday. Anybody here striking? Are you allowed to? Anybody can strike. Anybody can show up. Can you go even if you're not in the WGS? Absolutely. It is, all you got to do is show up. Every studio has a, there's a little blue canopy where people are signing folks in. You know, I, I've been spending most of my time in the Valley. Universal and Warner Brothers and Disney and CBS Radford, tiny little lot right there in Studio City. Anybody can come. Anybody can walk. You don't got a, no license. Why the Valley? It's the hottest fucking place on earth. Well, it's not that hot yet. Right. And it's close to my house. Um, <laughs> when it gets... I want to strike conveniently. Yeah, I mean, I'll wait until it's like 110 degrees in the Valley before I go to Amazon. <laughs> where it's like, oh, you guys have the good weather here. Nice. What are we striking for? Tell the kids at home, man, who don't understand. Uh, if, or the adults here in the room who are also confused, yes. like myself. Uh, the WJ, Writers Guild of America, um, has a contract every three years with the AMPTP, the Association of Motion Picture and Television Production Companies, or producers, whatever the last P stands for. And it's not poop. Um, and so every three years, we, we, we sit down, we have negotiations where the Writers Guild uh, says, hey, we'd like a little bit more because we make all of the things that you sell. And the MPTP says, but what if you didn't get more? And those conversations go on for a couple of months, and then they come to a head. And that head can either be resolved by, all right, fuck it, we'll give you the little mega that you're asking for, or we're going to go on strike. The last time we were on strike was 2007, lasted about 100 days, where we were trying to make them give us something to do with streaming. Where they were like, hey, streaming, we're just good. it's just for commercials, it's just for advertising, like, we're never going to sell shows on streaming. We're never going to like, make content for streaming. That would be ridiculous. We were like, you probably will, because you're evil. And, uh, and they did. And so now we're striking for, for residuals, is, is a lot of it. Is now that you have streaming and you've decided to just funnel content into people's homes and never selling it again. When TV was TV, as we all remember, there were commercials. Those commercials were money that the corporations brought in and they had to cut us into that money because again, they're selling based on our work. 
they had reruns. And so every time they rerun something, you'd get another little check saying, hey, awesome, this was your work. Here's a little bit of a taste. When you could sell it as DVDs or VHS or Laserdisc. I don't know how many people are old out there, but um, when they could keep selling stuff, they could keep paying the people who made the stuff. But streaming, there are no ads for the most part. They can, there's no reruns because it's rerunning indefinitely. So all of that money that they used to have to share with us, they now don't share with us anymore. Um, we're also fighting to try to play some controls on AI because AI will, I mean, we've all seen movies, right? You know how that works. Spielberg uh, picture, right? Yeah, no, not the, that's the rose. Why are we version. so angry at that movie so many years later? <laughs> I thought it was cute. What's your problem with it? I know. I'm sorry. That boy was adorable. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, you know, we're, we're looking at creative Skynet, basically, where AI algorithms who can replicate and duplicate and sort of slight variations on existing work on both the art front and the actor front and the writing front. I mean, there are kids, I mean, my kid's in college, and trying to get him to not use ChatGBT to write his papers is a bit of a struggle because why wouldn't he? It's easy, and he'll probably get a decent grade, you know? So why wouldn't these studios use an algorithm like ChatGPT or whatever the next iteration of that is to like, I don't know, let's write a season of a show like Murder, She Wrote. Let's write a season of a show like NYPD Blue. Let's write a, just a procedural. Like, we've got hundreds of thousands of hours of it, just ingest it all, synthesize it, and duplicate it. And we'll hire one sad person to kind of put new character names on it and make it feel a little bit less robotic. That's going to happen unless we take a stand. Actors are now suddenly beginning to realize, like, oh, shit, like, so there can be no more extras because we can just unleash a wave of orcs in a box like fucking Peter Jackson did 20 years ago with Lord of the Rings, but now at far less expense and it'll actually look better. He's the villain. Let's get Peter Jackson. <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy. Um, and so it's, it's touching almost every part of this business. And the corporations, the studios, don't want to sort of, they don't want to put any limits on it yet because they don't know how badly they can exploit us with it. So they're just like, hey, what if we got together once a year and just had like meetings about it? I was like, hey, is it shitty yet? No? Great. See you next year. Meanwhile, we're all trying to fucking scramble for what little work we can get left. So it's been posed as an existential fight for the future of our business and for the future of the people who make our business. And so I believe in it. I'm out there. I'm, you know, I'm not out there every day anymore because I'm an old ass man, but I'm out there as much as my knees will let me. Um, and I'm walking a picket line. I'm holding my sign. I'm walking back and forth in front of gates, trying to stop trucks from driving in, trying to make people aware of what we're looking for. Um, the, the Screen Actors Guild has just, for the first time almost ever, held a strike authorization vote uh, in advance of their negotiations, which means that if they get that, if that vote is high, when the writers had the strike authorization vote, it was 98% of the Writers Guild. It was like, yes, you can strike. We believe in the reasons we're striking. You can go into negotiations with this vote, which says this is how much of the leadership and the membership is willing to go on strike to get what we want. Actors have never done this before. They go into the negotiations, they get what they can get, they think about it on the other end, and they don't ever do it. Now they ask for that vote, which means they're taking it seriously because this is coming for them too. So the actors start negotiating. Their contract expires on June 30th. The Directors Guild is also in the same boat. Every, every guild's contract expires every three years. And there's a lot of solidarity. There's a lot of good feelings out there. There's a lot of momentum. And if we can keep it up, if we can hold it up, if, and, and you know, we'll have a Bluetooth ad later to talk about keeping up and holding it up. <laughs> um, 
but maybe we can actually make some difference. We can make a change. We can, we can pay people for their work. We can make sure that writing for television is a career you can have and sustain yourself, that directing and acting are, are noble pursuits that can actually give you some money back. There's always going to be the upper class, the top 1%, that's going to be fine. We're striking for the people on the bottom who are just starting this, this journey, who want this to be workable, who want this to be livable. And so that's what it is. That's why I'm out. That's why fucking Kevin is coming with me every other day and walking the Yeah, beach. man. And yes, anybody can walk. Anybody can bring a sign. Anybody can, can just show some love, even if it's as little as honking a horn, if it's as great as fucking standing shoulder to shoulder with the people who you love. And hey, you want to meet some TV writers and actors? Fucking come and hang out. Like I, I met Brett Goldstein on the line. Fucking Roy, yeah, Roy, Roy Kent, Kent was there. He's everywhere. He's here. He's there. He's every fucking he's every where. Because he's at first and foremost, that dude's a writer. Yeah. You know? He's got that. Other, he's got not just that show, but the other show, right? Shrinking. He does mm-hmm. that as well. He's a nice so, dude. I was on his podcast years ago in England when we were promoting Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. And it's a really fun podcast. And that was before um, uh, Ted Lasso had happened and shit. And I just, I remember liking his podcast quite a bit. It's a fun concept. And then years later, fucking Ted Lasso happened. And I was watching the show. I fucking, I love that guy who plays Roy Kent. And somebody was like, you were on his podcast. And I was like, no, I wasn't. And I went back. I was like, holy shit, man. I fucking know Roy Kent. Um, I realize what's going on. There's something way fucking different. And this is the first time I've ever done this show not stoned. <laughs> like, that's why I'm like, who put all this shit on the bar? Uh, t- Tuesday, it'll be 17 weeks weed free, man. Uh, don't necessarily applaud that. It's. Life is so fucking crisp. Um, but I figured I did the first 15 years of my career weed-free, and then the second 15 years of my career, lots and lots of fucking weed, making up for the first 15. Now I'm going to do the next 15 without, but when I turn 67, fuck all y'all. Back to the weed, man. That's the fucking time to do it. As you're cresting toward the end and shit. Oh, my God, right? <laughs> did you get your drink yet? I got my bottle of water. I didn't get my Wakanda forever, but I'll wait on that because we got a we got a lot of show to do. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I'm sucking happy to hear that, man. Hell yeah! Man. I'm glad when somebody's in charge because right now I'm really not. <laughs> Charles is in charge of your life, yeah. of your days and your nights. <laughs> my nights, not anymore. Fuck. <laughs> Charles went the other way. Uh, so what else have you been doing this week? Since last I saw you on a, on a picket line. Honestly, I, I wrote. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. But I didn't write professionally for a studio or some such shit. I wrote a comic book. I got my own. God, so many things have happened since the last time we've been here. I got my own comic book imprint at uh, Dark Horse called Secret Stash Press. There's a bunch of them laying around here. Um, and I wrote, like, one of the, honestly, one of the, like, truly darkest most twisted, sickest fucking things I've ever written in my life. And I say that as the guy who made the walrus movie and stuff. And it's the secret origin of how movie came to be. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's called, like, I've, it, the title's ridiculously long, but it's it, very fucking grown up and shit. I, I went in a different direction. You know, if you ever watch Dogma, like uh, when they go to the movie boardroom in that scene, uh, Ben's character Bartleby is like movie, the golden calf created by Nancy Goldruff, a kindergarten teacher, blah blah, in nineteen whatever. That's the only 
reference to where the character comes from. So I wrote the entire Nancy Goldriff story. And it is, it's, I'm, I'm honestly afraid for people to read it, to be like, what's fucking wrong with you? But it was really fucking satisfying. So I wrote two issues months ago, and then um, uh, Ahmed, uh, who drew uh, issue four of Quick Stops, like the Hicks family reunion, he's drawn the book. And so uh, I've been seeing, like he finished book one, and he's almost done with book two, and I was like, shit, I better get on book three. So I wrote book three and finished that this week. And it was, it was a twisted fucking ride. So I did that. Um, I did Babylon last night. How many people went to Babylon last night? <laughs> Jesus, man. Yeah, fucking a. Oh, you kids were there? Fucking a. Um, it was a. It was a good, good-ass time. Uh, but other than that, we're just getting ready to uh, sell our house, the house that we've lived in for, what, 22 years? I guess we came out here. It's going to be 22 years by the time we sell it. We came out here in, like, 2002, moved into this house in the Hollywood Hills, raised my kid there. Uh, Jen's parents lived with us there. Uh, now it's like Jen's parents moved out. Harley's got her own fucking house. So it's just the two of us in this giant fucking crypt, 8,000 square foot. So it feels ridiculous to hold on to it. So we've been slowly emptying the house. Two thirds of everything we own are in storage facilities out in the valley. And it's oddly freeing because all the shit that is normally there is gone and you don't fucking need it. Like, I'm not like, where's my shit? It's fucking packed away. And, and I don't know, it's been kind of liberating. Um, but not this week, but the prior week I was down in Florida visiting my mom. She's been in the hospital for like eight weeks, but she's on the way out. She's been to three different hospitals, and now she's in one where they, like, teach her to walk again because she's been laid up in bed for like seven of those eight weeks. Um, so she's on the mend, um, and she's watching. Hi, Mom. And um, Hi, Grace. And then uh, the rest of the time, I've been uh, cheating on Scum and Villainy with a little place called Smart Castle Cinemas. I bought a fucking movie theater in the time. Le since the last time we did this show, God, I've been busy. Um, I became an exhibitor, not just a filmmaker, but, but an exhibitor, somebody who like, shows other people's movies. And so, you know, I've always been like real low key about the movies. Like, you don't have to do much to impress me, and I'm not judgy at all and shit like that. Um, you know, of the two of us, you're the one that's like, I demand quality. And I'm like, <laughs> I demand the image moves. And that's about it. But as a exhibitor, it's all fucking different now because like, you know, I got to show these movies and you commit to like weeks at a time to run a movie. And if people aren't coming to see it, you get real judgy, real fucking quick, man. Like where you're like three. I, one thing I never cared about was the running time of other people's movies. I kick mine generally short. I do everything under two hours, I think with the exception of dogma. Um, but, you know, whatever, to each their own. But lately, man, I've been like, fucking, you might want to bring that running time down, Jamie and Chazelle. What the fuck? Three hours. Um, so that's been weird. I'll tell you, though, my biggest hero in the world used to be fucking Batman, but now it's a little Italian man called Super Mario. That movie made so much. That's the highest grossing film at Smodcastle in my tenure. Ever? It, it, I don't know about ever, but since we bought the place, man, that's the one that's like done the most business. Kids movies are huge for us. When we do events as well, like we've done like screenings of Mallrats and Chasing Amy and Dogma and stuff like that. When I do my stuff, it's pretty packed um, or sold out. But the, generally speaking, like film exhibition, man, I, I don't know how other theaters do it or are doing it, but... We had, like, uh, I've told this story all the time, on opening Friday night, 
of Avatar 2, you know, uh, inarguably one of the biggest movies of last and this year, 12 fucking people showed up. Wow. Creed 3 was a pretty big movie. Six fucking people showed up. Shazam, shazidn't at all. Uh, it's tough to get fuckers to show up to the movies and stuff. So with Super Mario, you couldn't keep fucking people away, man. Kids. Like we had, uh, we do kids parties all the time where people would, like rent the theater and shit. You could literally rent Smod Castle, like your own theater, and fuck in it. We don't care. I fully encourage people to do that. Clean up when you're done, but fucking, my God, if you've ever want to fuck in a movie theater, Smod Castle Cinemas is the place for you. Um, Interesting angle. Yeah, like especially with pivoting right to kids parties as well. <laughs> but um, we had this kids party a couple weeks ago. Um, it was really rainy as fuck back east. As soon as the weekend, I was supposed to do the NASCAR, like, uh, driver, start your So it was a little moist in the theater? It was fucking super moist. It was so moist that it was pouring through the fucking ceiling wow. in the hallway outside screen four. So, Tell me more about how moist it was. Oh, it was in, wet. In it was so theater. wet. We, we, you could fuck right in it the moist It was so theater. wet that I had to fucking pick up a mop and start mopping. I ain't mopped oh. since fucking Quick Stop, and I was mopping this place up and shit. Like, that sucks to be the owner. So... I had to go upstairs. I got an apartment upstairs where I live, where I'm back there and stuff. So I had to take all my towels from upstairs and fucking sop up the water and shit. But it was outside a kid's theater where they were doing a birthday party and they were showing Super Mario Brothers. And my God, it was joyous. Like it, it took my mind off the fact that the theater was fucking pouring water and shit to hear these kids screaming, like screaming all through the third act of this movie, man. Just like che literally cheering the heroes on and shit they didn't give a fuck it was a video game man they were just all over it and shit and then when that jack black song kicks in they were all singing along i was like that's fucking beautiful man and then when all those kids left what filthy fucking animals man <laughs> they smashed cupcakes into the cloth seats oh, and shit dude. like that it was litter everywhere man and fucking the parents were trying to help me clean up i was like get the fuck out of here man well they were looking We've for the gold them. stars and maybe if you just not, you, nothing. No nothing. gold stars for any of those fucking kids. Savages. Little savages. Uh, but you know how you clean up a movie theater, man? It's really interesting. You get like a fucking leaf blower and you go to the back of the theater and you just blow all the way down and all the shit goes to the front and then you fucking sweep it up. I'm learning amazing shit. I do more cleaning now that I'm a 52-year-old man than I did when I used to work the convenience store circuit. It's pretty impressive. Um, but that's what I've been up to, man. Bamf. Yeah, oh, Banff Band's here, everybody. Give it up for JC. <laughs> the owner of this here fucking facility, man. And for those watching at home, uh, in case you don't know, we're here we are. We just talked about not having been here since April. Uh, we are at the Scum and Villainy Cantina in Hollywood on Hollywood Boulevard. We're not too long ago. We're still in the month of May, correct? It's yes, still May. It's May. May the 4th is this place's fucking Christmas and Black Friday and every and Mother's Day all rolled into one. Tell them how well you did on Black Friday. It on, was, on fucking May the 4th. So we opened at 10 a.m. We closed at 2. And it was the busiest day we've ever had. So Thursday, May 4th was as busy as an entire week pre-pandemic. Whoa. So. That tells a story right there. Um, yeah, man, May the 4th is a fucking thing here. I don't know why, because Star Wars has nothing to do with this bar. Uh, how you been, Banff, man? Good. You were talking about cleaning the theater, and uh, I wanted to share two things. Share. 
just prior to this show, we had a one-year-old's birthday party at the bar. The one-year-old rented the bar for a private first birthday party from 11 a.m. until 4 p.m. this afternoon. How sweet, man. So, I mean, sweet. <laughs> that is, um, a, how, is it legal to have a kid's party in a bar? Well, we're a restaurant, technically. Oh, there you so go. So there's, there's the loophole. And then the other thing is, as we're resetting from the kid's birthday party and popping the balloons and stuff, we move all the tables out of the bar. And we put our t hands under the table. It's nothing but cum. It's all <laughs> close. It's all gum. I'll and I'm wondering, off. first off, it's 2023. Who the fuck is chewing gum all the time? Yeah, no kidding. Two, you're in a bar. There are a million napkins everywhere. And I know you're over 21 because you're in a bar. Right. The fuck are you doing putting it under like why are you like <laughs> why are you doing that saving it for later yeah i'll be back tomorrow saving it for yeah it's on my hands now listen to the fucking problems of the one percent of the one percent <laughs> yeah. shit yeah. he's like it was their biggest day the other day but i had to pick gum off the bottom <laughs> of the bar save it richie rich it's interesting though when you own it where you're like i'm gonna own a popular bar and I'm going to do plumbing and electrical work and, and clean vomit because the people I'm paying are serving drinks. So I don't want them to stop serving the drinks. Right. So you're the guy who mops up the water or cleans it's up the bathroom. It's a vicious circle, though, because you don't want them to stop serving drinks. So they're serving drinks constantly, making people puke, and then you're cleaning <laughs> up the vomit and uh, self-fulfilling man this says for kevin with love a golden calf from 2022 vincent soprano um and right off the top i saw this and it made me think of my little friend for those of you that don't know my beloved doction shecky um who uh who has been was with me for 18 years uh less left this best of all possible worlds uh a couple weeks back man and that was fucking tough if i ever wanted to be fucking high it was when shecky went away and shit that was really uh she was absolute light of my life and honestly something fucking died in me when that dog went and she took it with her and stuff so good night everybody no <laughs> thank you for this this means the world uh i miss her all the fucking time man but i saw my vet not too long ago and uh because we got other dogs we got these two german shepherds and i took them in to get all their shots and stuff and, uh, you know, I was like, hey, man, fucking Shecky, right? And he was like, Kevin, to get 14 years with a dog is a fucking blessing. To get 18, he's like, you can't fucking complain. He's like, and all, all of your dogs live insanely long. He goes, when I die and come back, I want to be one of your dogs. <laughs> he's like, because you won't let them die. And it's fucking true, man. I've, I've kept them above ground. And I had years to keep, like, the other ones alive. Like, remember I had... Mulder and Scully, we were big X-Files fans. Um, I had Marty, I had Louie, and I kept them, like I had two, three years to get used to them fucking spiraling down and winding down. Shecky went in her sleep, never showed a sign of age other than having like sugar snout and white belly and stuff like that, but was never like, oh, and never fucking laying down, just always fucking plucky as fuck. And I guess because she was so high energy and shit, when it was time to go, she just fucking went, she went in her sleep. 
So I guess if you got to go, that's the best way you can fucking go. But, I, you know, those other dogs I kept alive for a long time, like they were like 100-pound fucking dogs. So I was really looking forward to Shecky being like fucking winding down because I was like, I'll put a handle in this fucker. <laughs> Just carry her around like a purse and shit. She was going to be easy, but she was way easier than I ever expected. So in honor of my beloved friend who won't be with us anymore, man, raise it up for good old Deco, man, Shecky. L'chaim. L'chaim. Uh Should we read a Manscaped deck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't think of a better segue. From wiener to wiener. Why not, man? It fucking makes absolute sense. Kids, Manscaped is one of our sponsors tonight. Give it up for the good folks at Manscaped. Uh, they always write pretty great copy, man, so let's dive in. Rather than us winging it, we'll say what they want us to say. Friends, family, and loved ones, I bet you haven't purchased the Father's Day gift yet, have you? Well, my dad's dead. <laughs> so I haven't done that in years. Sorry, Manscaped. <laughs> it's going great. Not to fear, man. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming are here. I'm talking about our friends at Manscaped, man. They're saving the day yet again with the total package. For the father figure in your life this year, it's time to upgrade his game from waist to face. That's a pretty good line right there. A little bit rhyming. Um, with the, this exclusive offer, have him join the 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FATMAN20 at manscaped.com. What are they going to win, Mark? Uh, well, let's start with the Ultimate Father's Day MVP, the Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find their signature lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, brand new Weed Whacker 2.0 ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold his goodies. And lest we forget about the moneymaker, Manscaped has absolutely changed the game with their brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit for fathers around the world. Included is their beard hedger trimmer, beard shampoo and, con- shampoo, shampoo and conditioner, beard oil, beard balm, and two free gifts with their signature beard comb and scissors. We all know dads love their comfort, man, and their blowjobs. If his grooming routine is already dialed, make sure to hook him up with Manscaped's Boxers 2.0. These are without a doubt the best boxers for men of all ages, man. Whether he's mowing the lawn taking out the trash or golfing in the sun. Whose fucking cartoon fathers are these? <laughs> uh, these moisture Wiccan boxer bre- boxers breathe without breaking a goddamn sweat. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FATMAN20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code FATMAN20. Man, make this Father's Day one he won't forget with Manscaped. We thank the good folks at Manscaped. Give it up for the good folks at Manscaped. All right. All right. Uh, have, you, uh, have you been to the movies since last we gathered here? Together? I own a fucking movie theater and shit. I don't go to the movies anymore. Now I just see all that shit for free. But I'm getting a brand new projector in my... Uh, we got five screens at Smod Castle. It's technically... I mean, it's a multiplex. And the first screen is 230 seats. So a couple months ago, I ordered this uh, Barco projector, man. They're real high-end laser projectors. And uh, like they got one at Lincoln Center and shit. It's like, Ooh, yeah. Fancy. So, I know, very fancy. It's the kind of thing you can market where you'd be like, you know, fucking projected in Barco and nine nerds will come fucking watch it with you and shit. <laughs> 
But uh, I, that's where I tend to watch all my shit. I, I've seen, uh, of course, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I've seen it twice. I saw it once at my theater where we did a, a whenever a new movie comes out, you can watch with Kev and we charge you five bucks more. And then I get up and do a Q&A for a movie I had nothing to do with. Um, so I watched it there the first night, Thursday night open. And then, thanks to Brett Deacon, our good friend over there, uh, I went to see it in 4DX which was a blessing because I've had this problem uh, lately of like falling asleep in the movie theater when I go see a Marvel movie. And then afterwards, I'm like, man, that movie's missing something. It's missing 45 fucking minutes because I fell asleep and shit. <laughs> then I watch it at home and I'm like, oh shit, it was like Quantum Mania. I was like, yeah, I don't know. And then I watched it at home and I was like, holy shit, this is fun as fuck. Because I missed like a good hour of it and shit. You cannot fucking fall asleep in a 4DX movie because the chair is constantly moving, spitting things in your face and shit like that. <laughs> Folds up at one point so you could suck your own dick. Um, <laughs> so that was a good-ass time watching Guardians. You get, get emotional in 4DX and shit. Shakes you up when you're all upset. And that movie was pretty damn emotional. But, you know, other than spoilers, other than, like, you know, uh, some of Rocket's friends, not a single death in that movie. We were all thinking, like, there's going to be fucking death galore. Rocket's going to die. Fucking Star-Lord's going to die. Everyone's going to die. He kept them all alive. I thought that was... He I mean, showed great restraint. They all survived. I mean, they do destroy the planet. Spoilers, by the way, but it yeah. has fucking been out for, like, you know, three weeks yeah. now. I mean, but the high evolutionary ship had lots of people working on it. Oh, fuck those people. <laughs> so there's a the body count. Guys. Just, we is, don't care. That's true. And I just read an article uh, where he said that the high evolutionary is not dead. He's imprisoned on nowhere. Really? Yeah. That's from James. Fucking James Gunn, man, just won't stop tweeting. <laughs> you know, if people are like, I heard this about Superman, he's like, well, I'm James Gunn, and I heard you're wrong. You know, and he fucking <laughs> tweets back. And then if anybody asks a fucking thing about the movie, he's like, here's all the backstory that didn't make it. He's an informative motherfucker. But just recently, uh, I think this week, he put up a tweet where he's like, look, uh, I, he's like, I understand the game now. He's like, now the game is people just say shit just to have me fucking uh, say it's not true or confirm shit. And he's like, so I, I, he's like, look, there's fucking eight rumors that went up today alone that were like complete bullshit. And I took my time to debunk. And he's like, and I can't do that because I'm storyboarding for Superman now. So he said he's going to like scale back a little bit. Um, I like the movie. Guardians? Yeah. You, didn't you haven't talked about it. We haven't talked about it. Is yet. that right? Yeah. I fucking, I loved it. I thought it was beautiful. Um, I, you know, I was looking for a lot more death, but whatever. Um, but it was really quite touching. He's the best of us when it comes to storytelling, I feel, James. That's why, you know, fucking Superman in his hands is going to be a wonderful thing. We had a little exchange last week on uh, Twitter where I, I put up a tweet uh, about, um, what's the dude's name who works at uh, 40X? Tom, the marketing guy at 40X, like... Uh, put together like a Tusk poster, but with the Teef's character from Guardians. <laughs> and so I put that up and talked about seeing it in 4DX and stuff. And then James was like, oh man, I wish I'd been there with you. And then I tweeted, well, you were there because you put so much of yourself in all your flicks. It's like you're sitting there watching it with James Gunn. I was like, but do me a favor or something. I forget exactly what I wrote, but you know, cause he's worried. I said, good luck with the Superman movie. Like no giant spider in the third act and shit. <laughs> And then he tweeted, uh, got it, two giant spiders in the third 
Um, but I, I absolutely uh, adored it, man. Watching it, it with the Smodcast audience the first night on that Thursday night was uh, absolute bliss. And I, you know, I knew I was going to fucking love it when it started the way it started with like baby rocket and, uh, and, and all the little raccoons. I was like, Oh my God, he's going to rip our fucking hearts out. And I thought that storyline was incredibly effective. Uh, Lila, you know, the otter, his otter friend. I read another thing. Fucking, he's a wonderful source of like, not, not just the movies themselves, but fan fiction after the movies. Cause he said that somebody asked him a question and he said that, uh, the, the reason Rocket would steal artificial limbs and eyes, like, oh, I'm going to get that arm, is in memory of fucking Lila. Mm. How fucking dope is that, man? You could have put that in the movie and made fucking an extra, I don't know, 100 grand and shit. But <laughs> he gave that away for free on the internet. Um, I, you know, I thought he settled it out nicely. Everybody got their fucking story. All storylines were kind of closed up. And, and uh, you know, him having people go like i'm gonna i'm gonna go my own way i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that it was actually pretty pretty damn touching um it, you know wrapping up a trilogy i imagine is fucking difficult and stuff and i thought he wrapped it up really quite well you you imagine yeah dude you just did one. Oh yeah fuck. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's right clerks three now on fucking dvd I forget sometimes I mean, that I make films as well. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm it is to, fucking damn difficult. I'm used to rec- rescuing you from potholes, but you're not smoking. So. Yeah, that's true. Turns out I'm just stupid. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, he, I, I thought he stuck the landing, as we say, um, you know, in terms of bringing it all home and, and revisiting those characters. I, it was, I mean, I, again, it's been out for a while, so if you don't want to hear us talk about it, cover your ears, but... Even seeing a little fucking Michael Rooker pop up was like, oh, like he checked all the fucking boxes, man. So, yeah, I dug. What did you think? Um, similarly, I dug. I mean, and I dug it especially because I rewatched one and two after seeing three. Like, and I hadn't seen two in years. I don't think I've seen two since the theater. Death of Yondu is one of my favorite fucking moments in any Marvel movie. Yeah. Really touching. It's shit. really strong. But and his performance when he's like, no, is really fucking good. But like watching them all and then seeing them all through the prism of these are all, it's a big rocket story of which everybody else is kind of a supporting character. And then seeing how what Rocket is and how Rocket was made informs how Rocket presents through one and two. Like, why is he such an asshole? As I think even Yandu says, like, are you like a professional asshole or something? Mm. Like, and so seeing three and seeing where he starts and seeing how what happened to him and Tiefs and Floor and, and, and Lila inform this character who doesn't want to love anybody lest they fall prey to the same thing that apparently happens to all of his friends. Like, that's his history. I've only ever had these four friends, and they fucking died, and so I can't let anybody close to me or they'll die too. And so watching that play out through those three movies as what begins as a sort of like... Well, she says that in the movie too, right? She's like, it's always been your story. Yeah. That was literally... I, I just, I, I, is that... That tracks if you watch it. It, it is. does. Really? It does. I thought that was just some nice shit for an otter to say. <laughs> uh, but I didn't, I didn't, I, I don't know. Having watched those movies as much as I have, I guess I got to go back and rewatch one and two now and see if that tracks is like, oh, it is Rocket's yeah. arc. And it was super interesting to see, in, even in, in Guardians 1, 
when you get that the shot when they're in the fucking Nova prison and they're putting their like priors up and like his insignia number whatever and his like known associates one of them is Leela like even in Guardians Isn't it Lila Lila Leela I'm not sure but it's the L Y L L A right and it's like oh is this I I wonder how much of this was in place well that was a character movie. from the comics if it, I remember it was correctly. but like you know how much of was he just like all right cool Lila's here and he was his girlfriend in the comics but how much did he know that he would eventually like tell this animal cruelty story through the prism of Rocket? And how much of that stuff would he refashion and completely re- retwist for what, what three would be? And I also like I kept I, I came out of three as he then goes to head up DC Comics, right? DC Films. Like I don't know if anybody ever read the comic book We Three. Did you ever read that book? No. Grant Morrison. Uh, it's a story about three animals who were being tested on in a facility who escape who get uh, incredibly like fucking cybernetically enhanced and become kind of superheroes and friends. It is basically the Rocket and Friends story Mm. that Grant Morrison did and Frank Quietly in like the late 90s. And like, they're never making that movie now because he already did it in Guardians 3. Are you saying he he stole that? I'm saying he was uh, inspired by. Wow. Good thing he got that DC job. He can bury that fucking book. (laughs) Um, but no, I very much dug it because it got it, it landed all the emotional beats. His uh, his fucking needle drops are always like when they're on the money, they're desperately on the money. Yeah. And did you see the the Florence from Florence and the Machines little TikTok video? No. It's so fucking adorable. Um, where she's sitting in a theater, weeping her eyes out, watching Guardians Three as Dog Days comes up, and she's like, "I knew they were putting it in the movie, but I didn't know how." And she's watching it for the first time. She's like the superhero obsessed little girl to find herself in the middle of a movie like this. It's just so beautiful. Is she a superhero obsessed? She girl? said she was. Um, and the, it, she cried at the She's movie, cry- and the like, internet dude, didn't fucking crucify her like they did for me with Wakanda uh, Forever and shit. I put up a uh, picture of me crying at Wakanda Forever for three days. The internet was like, "You filthy fucking cuck." <laughs> Florence does it. Everybody's like, "Oh, that's adorable." Yeah. Let me tell you, I didn't even know that fucking song, and after that movie, like I've been playing that song heavily on repeat and shit. And I fucking sent it to my kid. I was like, this is my jam of the day. My kid goes, that was my jam of the day in the early 2000s. She's like, how do you not know this song? I was like, because I only listen to 80s music. Um, That's a great fucking tune. Great way to end the flick. Yeah. No, I very much dug it. I very much dug it. Like James Gunn, it's it's emotionally manipulative, but I don't mind because that's exactly kind of every what movie I'm, is emotionally. That's manipulative. like if you do it well, yeah. I'm here for it. Like Spielberg made a living emotionally manipulating people, and it's fine because if you earn it and if you do it well, I'm here for it. And I was here for for all this movie. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Marvel fatigue and shit like that, and then with this movie, people are like this proves that you can avoid Marvel fatigue in the right hands. But this movie didn't even feel like it was part of the Marvel Universe. Like, it didn't feel like it was part of any of the phases. It really kind of stood outside of the ongoing story. Yes, there was reference to, like, Thanos at one point, but there was no reference to, like, hey, man, we got to fucking get ready for Kang or anything like that. There was no phase building to it. It felt like an island unto itself. I mean, the only part of it that felt a little bit connected to the rest of it and not in a great way was Adam Warlock, who felt very much tits on a bullish in this movie where it's like you kind of have no real reason to be here other than to show up cause a lot of havoc disappear be the dumb character who eventually becomes a loyal character like it's very simple and kind of not 
awesome. Like it's the one part of the movie I was like, I don't but it also it. didn't feel like the future of Marvel. It still felt like the past of Guardians of the Galaxy. It felt like he's like, well, I referenced this guy at the end of two. So I better bring him back for three. Like it, I got no impression that like going forward, he's going to be an important fucking character in the Marvel Universe. Do you know something? I don't know anything. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> um, yeah, man, it was, uh, it was absolutely fucking wonderful. Um, but they, uh, they, you know, they say that uh, the Flash right now is tracking to open bigger than Guardians do. But that, that tracks. The Guardians is the third of a thing, and the Flash is the first of a thing, kind of, with the third of a Batman thing. Mm. It's essentially like Batman, colon, and the Flash. Uh, I did also see Fast X. Oh, <laughs> shit. Has anybody else seen the Fast X yet? No? Anyone? Uh, I, uh, I'm not going to spoil anything. It just came out. How do you fucking spoil ago. that movie? Like I mean, they get in cars and do stupid shit. It's a modern day cannonball run. No, it's not. I wish it was. Um, listen, <laughs> they got a lot of guests. It, it is everything that you think Fast X is going to be. There are no surprises in terms of, ah, so he did impossible shit in a car impossibly and should have died 19 times already and didn't. Whatever. I will say this. Um, Jason Momoa mm -hmm. is having the most fucking fun. And Jason Momoa in this movie is playing the best Joker you've never seen. Oh, like, shit. He is 100% just like weird and broken and pansexual and delicious and like all of it. He's, he's, he's taking the best parts of every joke he's ever seen. It's like, here's my shit. Also now, Hawaiian. Go. He's great. And he's the main bad guy? Yes. And also, uh, Reacher is in it. Alan Richson. Oh, fuck. Yeah. See, I got him. I got him. I knew I'd get him. He's like, fuck that movie. He's like, Reacher's in it. Really? When's that come back, man? When's the Reacher second season happening? I don't know. But he looks good. Because after The Flash, that's the thing I'll be living for, man. I love that fucking Reacher series. God, it was so fucking good. Reacher's just Batman without the outfit and shit. And no moral quandary about killing people. <laughs> Shooting them in the back. <laughs> yeah, stepping on their fucking necks and shit. Uh, I saw Fast X thanks to the, the goodness of Brett Deacon. I saw it in 4DX. You went to a 4DX screen? I did. And, uh, and listen, I love 4DX, but that movie almost killed me. I would imagine. <laughs> shaking and stirred and whatnot. Like, there were a couple times that I thought I was getting ejected from cars. And, like, <laughs> holding on for dear life. And the gunshots, there'd be some like piston shit in my back. And so a lot of gunshots in Fast X. And I'm pretty sure I lost a vertebrae somewhere in that theater. Um, but I still, I laughed the entire time. It felt like a roller coaster. And I don't love roller coasters. Um, but still, it was either laugh or cry. And so I chose to laugh. I know he's our friend and stuff and he works there. But I ain't just saying this because of Deacon. Like, if you haven't seen a movie in 40X, just go see one of them, man. I, I mean, they only pick certain movies. It's not like you could have seen Clerks 3 in 40X. Feel the tears. Um, but well, they man, have, they have the water spray. <laughs> they do. Um, it was, uh, the, the, it's such a fun fucking experience. And I would imagine a movie like that. It's, 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 a, it's a ride, to be sure. Um, and I've, I've, I mean, we saw fucking Top Gun Maverick in 40X. And that was wonderful. We saw Dune in 40X. We did. And that was amazing. Um, but yeah, Fast X and 40X. Contemplate in 40X. Yes. 
sand. We have 40x tickets to give out when we do the Q&A part. We do. Yeah. We, got, we got a whole fucking goodie bag. So some people will have a chance to go check that out. Um, is it true that the Fast X movie is one of three fucking finales? It was supposed to be Fast X 1 and Fast X 2, and then Vin Diesel was like, fuck it, let's do a third. And so now it's like apparently a, a trilogy is how we're going to end this. Wasn't it fucked up at the end of Guardians when he was like, I love you guys. Shouldn't he just been like family? <laughs> <laughs> they could have crossed over two movies. Uh, <laughs> a question for you. Fire. If you're gonna if you're gonna rank the Guardians movies, how do you rank them? Um, oh, what a good question. Um, I, don't know, I love the death of Yondu, uh, so I might go two, one, three, and that doesn't mean three is like not good or something like that. But one was such a fucking surprise, like you just didn't see it coming. When they announced that movie, I was like, this is dumb. And then when I saw that movie, I was like, this is one of the best movies ever made. But two transcends one, you know, by telling that uh, kind of quasi, you know, father story with Yondu. It's pretty damn beautiful. And at that point, too, he, you know, you're warm with the family, you know everything about them. And so you kind of hit the ground running in a, in a, in a, a flick that may lack a little bit in dis- the discovery of one, but makes up for in sheer powerful storytelling. You got to remember, first script, he's credited with somebody else. Nicole Perman. Second one is all him. Third is all him. So I might go two, one, three. But I, I, you know, honestly, like I've had a chance to rewatch those other two so many fucking times. So it could be when three gets to home video, the order changes. But right now I'd probably go two, one, three. You? I think I'm one, three, two. What? You put two at the end? <laughs> wow. You're getting some fucking backup right there. <laughs> I love the first one so much because, again, to your point, it's, it was, I, I went on the record. Like, I wrote a piece for The Hollywood Reporter being like, this feels like a bad idea, Marvel. And I was wrong. The comic book was fucking terrible, <laughs> like, back in the day. So when they announced it, I was like, you got limitless fucking resources you're gonna do this fucking thing but they you know i didn't obviously i have no vision whatsoever that's why there are three fucking clerks movies um and i i i appreciate the father-son story more than i did before after having rewatched two just last night right but um but there's still some there's just something about it that doesn't hit me as hard as it does the flashback rocket stuff and then how that then transfers into the present rocket stuff the the growth of all of those characters manifested in three just hits me a bit harder than the kind of irresolution of those characters in two. It's, um, it's like an embarrassing bounty, though. So there's not one of them that's like bad. They're yeah. all fucking wonderful. Like, that's the shittiest one. Well, no, not really. They're all really good. But yeah. it's, just... it's like Rankin blowjobs. They're all fucking good, man. Bamf. Hey, Bamf, man. Do you have a speaking, of, speaking of Rankin blowjobs, let me tell you about this girl in Staten Island. <laughs> She had too many teeth. <laughs> the uh, YouTube chat wants to know where you would slot the holiday special oh. into those. I watched it once, uh, and it, you know it's fun, but it didn't, you know, it didn't resonate like the movies did. So for me, I would probably go two, one, three, and then holiday special. You same. It yeah. comes in. It's it is a minor entry. Not that it's not fun, but it's, it's fine. 
How freeing. Normally when we stream the show at home, I'm up in the chat. And it's nice to not be up in the chat, man. <laughs> What's going on in the chat? Um, honestly, honestly a lot of people are commenting because we've, been, we've done the show virtually for the last year. Yeah. And I like sit hunched over with a webcam. People are commenting about my weight and what I'm wearing quite a bit. <laughs> Welcome to Banff Man Beyond, ladies and gentlemen. It's all about JC tonight. Uh, my, f my favorite is Andy Phillips says, JC looks like an extra at that Foot Clan party. Wow. <laughs> From Ninja Fuck. Turtles in 1990. Uh, <laughs> Deep cuts, man. The other was Mitch Blackmore says, Banff Man looking like he's about to go try out for the lead for 30 seconds from Mars. <laughs> Which, like, is Jared Leto a compliment now or not? I, I don't know. That. I would take it. I mean, you have some, like, leather otter shit going on today, so. This is, what's funny is these are the clothes I wore in 2008. But I, the last time we did a live show, I was, like, 220 pounds. And I'm 170 now. Oh, shit, what happened? So I've lost, I... <laughs> Don't so, applaud yet. He's like, I was sick. The, no, the wasting disease. The actual thing that hit me, which was wild, was uh, Jen, my should-be wife, but didn't never got married because of COVID. Said uh, she sent me an internet meme, and it said, "Everybody says they die for their kid, but would you be willing to live for your kid?" And I had my daughter when I was forty years old, mm. and then it was like, oh, like stop eating like shit. Like, it was like... Wait a second. How old are you right now? 42. Are you serious? Yeah. You don't fucking look 42 at all. Because I... You no. look 47. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you look like one of those kids at that Foot Clan party. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, uh, it scared me. I, it's lived rent-free in my head every day since. Of, like, every time I want to eat something crappy, I'm just like, I got to be better. boy. There's fucking words to live by right there. Fuck. Um, well, fucking for everyone watching at home, me and Mark are irrelevant. Just put the camera on fucking Banff, man. Yeah. For the rest of uh, should we do one more ad and then get to the news? Do we have to do an ad already? We just did one. Let's do the news and then do an ad. Or not. What, what, do we have to? Uh, I mean, this hey, is your we can do it. I mean, it's your show. You do whatever you want. Yeah. You know, well, actually, it's your show based on the chat. <laughs> Uh, let's do the news and then we'll do an ad. It feels so ad-heavy to go right away to another ad and stuff. All right, we got news? Yeah, when they yell at you, just remember <laughs> me fondly. Truly. <laughs> uh, Mark Bernard used to be a newsman before he was a writer, before he stopped being a writer because he's striking and shit. So now he's gone back to the fucking news. He collected the news for you, so he's going to give you the news. Give it up for Mark Bernard with the fucking news! <laughs> I feel like one of the last times we were here live, uh, JC was like, I'm going to treat myself. I'm going to go to that Star Wars Star Cruiser hotel thing. That's right. I even said I would buy you a fucking room, man. I was like, I'll get you a fucking room on the cruise. Yeah, the Galactic Star Cruiser. Did you ever go? I didn't. Uh, uh, life got busy. Hurry up because they're closing it. I, yeah. I have made some calls. <laughs> I heard they fucking got, they booked all their reservations. That was the story that was online yesterday where they announced that they're shutting down the Galactic Star Cruiser 
because it was crazy popular. And so um, they, they booked every last slot for its final cruise. Really? Because it's, I know they booked through the end of the year and then they called everybody from October through December to mm. be like, hey, you spent all this money, but we're not going to be here. And so they got to either cancel or roll their dates back. But I'm trying. I'm going to try. Yeah. The final voyage is uh, September 28th through September 30th. Oh, my God. So that's coming up yeah, at the end of the summer. It's open for less than or exactly 18 months. $90 million was the price tag to build that fucking thing. For those who don't follow that closely, in, uh, this is Disney World, right? Mm-hmm. They built uh, this, f- f- well, I guess we could say it now, fake fucking star cruise and shit. Where We, we always could say fake, though. I guess. <laughs> Spoilers. Um, no windows. It's a hotel with no windows, just a bunch of screens that look down on space. And on paper, sounded like the ultimate fucking Star Wars fan destination. But the problem is it required too much paper to do it. At first, it was like six grand for fucking three nights. And then they started lowering the price because people were like, six grand, fuck that. It was also based on double occupancy. I believe that you couldn't get a single room on that cruise. And it's like, do you know your audience, Star Wars? But like, you could. <laughs> it was just $5,000. Right. So if you had two people, it's 2500 each, right. which is... But if you're like by yourself, you have this giant room with two beds, and you're like, but... I'm a nerd, guys. Like, I don't know who you thought I was bringing. Was it always two beds, like those two pods that they show in the picture? I believe so. And I think you could get like a family room, right? That had like four pods. There's, yeah, there's a, the cheapest is like, you can put four people in a room and there's like two pods and two fold out bunks. And then there's one that has like a bedroom with a queen bed and then two pods and two bunks. And then there's like, the captain's quarters that nobody can afford. So they don't, you don't even know what's in there. <laughs> what, how many beds were ever featured in the Star Wars universe, come to think of it? Like Yoda died in a bed. Yoda died in a bed. Luke, Luke was it, laying in a bed in Empire when he was mending and shit, when, you know, fucking Leia made out with him and shit. Which Pad, was, Padme was in a bed in episode two. Padme sure was in a fucking bed, wasn't she, man? <laughs> And then she dies in a bed. And then uh, the other guy wasn't because he was like, I fucking hate sand. It's so coarse. Gets everywhere. Uh, There's a bed in Andor, too. It's the first Star Wars sex in Andor. There was a bed in Andor? Yeah. And a bra, which there's not supposed to be space underwear. I guess that's kind of a tough sell, man. Sleep in the bed like Andor. Um, I heard there were two storylines, like one you could hook up with the First Order and the other you can hook up with the Resistance and they wouldn't cross over. If Once you chose a path, that was it. So if you were hooked up with the First Order people, you didn't get to break Chewie out, which I guess was the Resistance storyline. But they included like deep cuts mythology stuff in it and uh, stuff that's never been done in the movies, I heard. I, uh, a friend of mine who went five times in the last year. Are you fucking yeah. shitting me? What billionaire friend is this? Down? Yeah, really? He, um, he just loves it. And uh, he posted, uh, he compared it to going to the Super Bowl as a sports fan. That makes sense. 
where it's like, if you go to the Super Bowl, a ticket's $7,000, and it's five hours of entertainment. He said, Galactic Star Cruiser is like the Super Bowl for Star Wars fans. Not every fan's going to be able to afford it, but it's 20 hours of entertainment for the same price as a Super Bowl ticket. And for the people who were like, well, not everybody can go to a Super Bowl. Like, you don't see, like, New York Jets fans complaining about the price of Super Bowl. It just is what it is. He said the, the weekly game that you go to is called Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And it's the same price as a, a, an NFL football ticket. Mm. So that's the comparison he made. And I was like, oh, God, I guess that makes sense. I wonder, I mean, some people, I guess, went coupled up already, but how many people, like, hooked up on the Galactic Star Cruiser? I, I mean, you would think outside of Scum and Villainy Cantina, that would be the best place to meet, <laughs> like, a Twi'lek. Do people hook up here? I went, on Friday night, I went to a wedding of two people who met here. Is that right? I have, I know 15 couples who have met and gotten married and some of them have kids that met, that here. met here at the bar. Yeah. It's kind of special. And do, you, do you get a taste? Yeah, really. Like, <laughs> Free Monocta and shit like that. Do you just get like 10% of the wedding gifts come to fucking Scum and Villainy? Uh, I had a question. I don't remember what the fuck it was. Oh, yeah. You know how when uh, every Olympics, there's always a news story that says there are 50,000 condoms that get... We're on the fucking back wall, man. <laughs> never noticed that shit. Yeah. There's a lot of ways to watch the show. We're everywhere. Yeah, really. You know, every Olympics, they have a story that says that there's like X number of condoms handed out at the Olympic Village because after all these athletes compete, they're still there for two weeks and don't get to go home and they just start fucking. So I want that stat for the Galactic Star Cruiser. Like, how many condoms are just in fucking bowls running around? It's like, hey, resist. You know what they missed out on? Hmm. The condoms would have to be lightsabers. Oh, shit. Oh, is it a red, is it a red condom or is it a fucking <laughs> green condom? Oh, I'm a Jedi Guardian, baby. Purple one? Ah, the rare purple one. Here, your father left this for you. <laughs> Your father wanted you to have this when you were old enough, but your uncle wouldn't allow it. <laughs> he left it in the care of this old man in the desert. <laughs> Shit, we should have taken over marketing. We still sold got a couple months. <laughs> it's true. We could sell a room or two. Well, that's a shame. Uh, what will happen to the facility, the space? Uh, they don't say. I'm sure it'll just be fucking bulldozed uh, to make room for, I don't know, Super Mario Land, maybe. <laughs> Um, they got that here, don't they? That's in Universal, yeah, right? Here, yeah. Nintendo World, or is it Super Mario World? It Timing of that is incredible. Yeah, it opened March 2022, and its final voyage is at the end of the summer. Whoops. I don't think they're allowed to say final voyage, man. That crosses over too much with another <laughs> star franchise. Um, well, pour one out for the thing that I just assumed would have made all the money in the world and shit, and would have gone on forever, but... I guess there are only some, uh, you know, it's tough to be nostalgic for something that won't fucking go away. And uh, Star Wars just won't fucking stop Star Warsing lately. So could be the people like, nah, I get enough of this shit on Disney Plus. I don't need to live it. But I like your boy's analogy about it. Like, hey, man, if this was a Super Bowl, dot, 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 that kind of makes sense. 
Yeah, except the Super Bowl has a thousand ways for the NFL to make money, and this apparently had zero ways yeah. for Walt Disney to make money. Because they wouldn't close it if they were making money. Good point. Yeah, that's true. Say <laughs> love My um, guess, my guess is that you can, they're going to drop it in price. They're going to get rid of all of the interactive and turn like the bridge of the cruiser that you cosplay and role play in to like a restaurant. And it'll be like 250 bucks a night minus all the interactive actors. They'll just bust down all of the plasma screens and put in glass and like, oh, you can see outside now. Yeah. It's not so fucked up and expensive. You can I mean, do it like a dinner theater, though, kind of affair where you keep the actors and shit, but you just drop the price down, like you say, to like 250 bucks, do a show, and then fucking send them back out. Send them the back. Like medieval times, but for Star Wars. Oh my God. What a good idea. Right there and shit. There you go. Jousts, like Rancor jousts in the middle there. And you can... <laughs> Sounds pricey. <laughs> if it goes up for sale, I mean, maybe we... I know a thing or two about operating an establishment that might be tangentially related to space things. <laughs> Tangential. Isn't that IG-88's head right there? That is a uh, Rolls-Royce combustion tube. Kevin. I know, no. I know. Just open it up. We got a me. good thing going here. A very good thing. Uh, rumor of the week is that uh, James Gunn has been casting for his Superman movie. Mm. Uh, and uh, he's got some favorites. Who? So far. Uh, Rachel Brosnahan from uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel seems to be uh, among the, the final call Lo- list to for, Lois Lane. for Lois Lane. I can see that. I interviewed her at IM, uh, IMDB at Sundance. She was absolutely lovely. I could see that. That would totally work. Um, and apparently he has only one choice for Lex Luthor. He hasn't said who it is? Yes. He has? Nicholas Holt. That's, that's it? That's, that's apparently the only was, I saw Ren, Ren, uh, Renfield. Renfield. Did you see it? Yeah. Fucking fun movie, man. Really fun flick. Um, you know, you expect Nick Cage to be as fun as he was, and he absolutely delivered. But um, I thought he was really good in it, Nicholas mm-hmm. Holt. Um, I read someplace that Bradley Cooper, maybe. No? Really? Yeah. Which I was started thinking about that going, he'd be a fucking good Lex Luthor, too. I mean, James Gunn seems to have a repertory company of players that he favors. and Yeah, they took him to task on the internet. They kept going, like, nepotism and shit, uh, because he has his brother in his movies. And I'm like, I don't know if that counts as nepotism. But I say that having cast my kid in, like, everything that I've made since she's been alive. Um, I, I'd co-sign Nicholas Holt. Yeah, and the, the clock of it all is still a little Isn't bit... Isn't that the boy from About a Boy? It is the boy from About a Boy. Boy, he grew up. It's also Nux from uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, shit, that's yeah. right, where he's like fucking... Rush on the Eternal to the Fury Road! <laughs> and Witness the, me! The Beast as well. He's and been around for well. a while, man. And he's on The Great. Yeah. Um, In yeah. which he's pretty great. I'm down for that. Yeah, but yeah, Clark is, is still elusive. They've got a couple names, none of which I'd like recognized. David Corinsweat. Anybody? Corinsweat love? Isn't he the guy that ran the Branch Davidians back in the day? <laughs> he was on Netflix's Hollywood and was a lead in Pearl. In what? Pearl, horror movie. Did you ever see Pearl? What was Netflix's Hollywood? They had a big miniseries about like, it was like Babylon, but longer. Huh. I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> yeah, no, they did it. Um, 
And apparently you force. I guess if you're going to, he's going to play Superman. Yeah, Clark. So you want to cast somebody, but not somebody like insanely well-known, right? I mean, theoretically. Yeah. I suppose. I mean, Henry Cavill wasn't insanely well-known when he was cast as Superman. Christopher Reeve wasn't insanely well-known. Brandon Routh wasn't insanely well-known. You know, somebody who's acted, but not somebody that like, oh, I can only see him as this other person. Which is why I'd want to see the Nicolas Cage Superman more than anything. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Tell me about it. Um, Loki, season two. The, Disney had its big uh, upfront presentation in New York to dazzle with for advertisers for Disney+, Plus, which I don't understand what that is, but sure. I was going to say, like, they don't have commercials, so who are the yeah. advertisers? I don't know why they were there. Um, but they revealed that Loki season two is going to drop on October 6th. Yeah, that's a six. Um, weekly drop. And then Echo is going to drop on my birthday, November 29th, all at once. All at once? All at once. They've never done that before. First time you get to binge your Marvel show. What is the theory, working theory behind that? Um... Well, I suppose one could say it's a gift that Marvel is giving us, all of us for Thanksgiving. Right. Or one could say that they don't anticipate people showing up week after week after week for that show. And so they're going to just give it to you all at once so as to not appear to have a level of attrition they wouldn't like. Um, clearly a show that was made before um, Bob Iger was like, we're going to stop making a lot of shit. I saw they announced that quite like HBO Max, they're just tearing a lot of shit off the channel and throwing it away or putting it in the Disney vault, as they say. In the Disney vault. Yeah, Disney is Disney's pulling a lot of stuff from, from both Disney Plus and from Hulu. Plus. Plus. I'm fancy, Kevin. Um, what, what is, what's the philosophy there? Save money and shit? They uh, also woke up to the fact that like, we don't want to pay residuals on this shit. Yeah, I mean, the residuals aren't, like, astronomically high on streaming, hence the fight that WGA is having with the, mm. the, the, the studios. But it's still not insignificant given all of the people who are going to need residuals. So shows like Willow are disappearing from Disney Plus relatively soon. I think. Did you watch Willow? Uh, no. <laughs> How many people, put your hands together, how many people watched Willow? All right. Out of, out of like, 77 people, that was six. Yeah. Might be part of the problem. Indeed. What else are they oh, get hey. rid of? Thank you. Ah. <laughs> the uncooler. <laughs> get your drunk on. Um, yeah, it's... <laughs> this shit's getting electric. Hey. Now the chat's going to be like, fuck JC, the real show is watching Mark get drunk. <laughs> Um, what else is going away? Do you know? Uh, let's see. Why the Last Man is disappearing from Hulu. But we just fucking hung out with Brian K. Vaughan. I know. He didn't tell us anything. Yeah. Um, the Mysterious Benedict Society, Disney Plus's Big Shot, um, The Mighty Ducks, Turner and Hooch, Willow. The Mighty Ducks is going away? Well, the TV show that they made. That didn't work? No. Is that right? Yes. How many people watch The Mighty Ducks? Put your hands together. It's the same four people. You guys watch everything. You're like, I'm getting my fucking $9 worth. <laughs> like they're being indoctrinated, like eyes propped open. Um, wow, man. I would have I thought that would have worked, but I guess not. Yeah. National Geographic's The World According to Jeff Goldblum. Oh. How many people watch The World According to Jeff Goldblum? Oh, see, that's the one. Still a smattering, man. Uh, how many people watch fucking WandaVision? 
That's not going anywhere. That, that's going to stay, I think. No. I don't think there's anything Marvel that's disappearing. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's about it. And they're basically like, yeah, we, we thought they'd be great, we're, we, but we're not going to support it on streaming anymore. They may or may not show up eventually on whatever Disney's version of ad-supported streaming is, whether they license that content out to like Voodoo or Freebie on Amazon, or whether they start their own version of that so they can... And technically, Hulu always was where you... There's a version of Hulu where you get ads. You know, where you don't pay the premium and then suddenly, like, oh, there's commercials in this show. Yeah, somehow I have that one because periodically commercials show up in the shows that I'm watching on Hulu and it gets real frustrating. And I've tried to quit and rejoin, but I keep getting fucking commercials, man. I don't know what's going wrong. This is my first world problem right there. But I get commercials where I don't want them. Yeah, truly. Um, so yeah, that's fucking happening, which kind of sucks because there were people who went into making those TV shows and movies that had nothing but the best of intentions and believed, as we had all been led to believe, that they would be around in perpetuity. There would always be a way for an audience to discover this work. Which does not seem to be the case. No. Uh, during the streaming wars, it just seemed like everyone's bringing everything in-house and they're just everything will live on their respective channels and we'll always have access to it. But as we've learned in the last six months, man, from David Zaslav at HBO Max, or I'm sorry, Max, all the way down to Disney Plus, uh, that's not going to be the case. They're yeah. going to take things away from us. I so unless you watch fucking Willow, you're not getting Willow 2. Which everybody seems fine with. <laughs> Jesus, man. <laughs> um, yeah, and that starts, um, I think, the May 30th, I think. But next week, ultimately. So if you, wanna, if you like that shit, you want to watch that shit, watch that shit now. Because who knows when you're going to get it. And the Max turnover from HBO Max to just... When's that happen? Uh, Wednesday, I believe. The 26th. Is that when they're losing all their shit? They've already begun to strip some of that shit. Um, you know, like there's a there's a big ass list of the stuff that that HBO pulled, including Westworld, The Nevers, F Boy Island. Sorry, everybody. Uh, Legendary, The Time Traveler's Wife, The Gordita Chronicles, Raised by Wolves, and Raised more. by Wolves is going away. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Oh, that's the one. <laughs> we, we found the one people getting yeah, shit about. Right? Now they've got me mad. Wait a second, uh, fucking Westworld they dropped. It was like a signature show for them. Mm-hmm. Wow. What was the idea there? It's too fucking expensive? Yeah. Like they, I guess they realized that it would, be, it would be worth more if they could sell it to somebody else than it is to keep it on the service, which has always been there. Like they don't get new subscribers by having that on it. It's Whereas, such a buzz show for them, like when it started yeah. out. I mean, it was the same theory that led them to, to sell. Warner Brothers was producing Batman the Cape Crusader, the Bruce Timm animated uh, series his return to Batman um, Ed Brubaker was running it with him and J.J. Abrams and Matt Reeves were executive producers it was supposed to be on HBO Max and then they decided that it would not be on HBO Max and they would sell it to the highest bidder and that ended up being Amazon and the math for them was it was worth more as a thing they could sell than it was as a magnet for new subscribers mm. and so that was that was the, 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 the arithmetic there for them and I think that that's down the line what they're thinking. Can we sell this for more than we're getting by keeping it? That's what they used to do before the streaming wars began. Yeah, I mean, the fucking Bruce Timm Batman the Animated Series was not on a Warner Brothers own network. It's made it by Fox. Warner Brothers, but it was on Fox, yeah. And so we're just going back to that world where who wants it? Who's going to pay for it? So streaming disrupted and now they're just going back to the way things used to be. 
Kind of, yeah. David Zasloff just had a statement where he's like, hey, guys, what if we, I don't know, crazy idea, bundled these streamers together? That's just cable. It's just fucking cable. He's like, crazy, I know, just go with me. Is it going to be like worse than cable and more expensive than cable? But it's like cable. We should do that. And then yesterday, he was the, the commencement speaker at Boston University, I think. David Zasloff? David Zasloff. And uh, through the entirety of his commencement speech, there was this chant from the crowd that just said, pay the writers. Oh, really? Every part of his speech. And you can see him trying to muscle through it. And then like there was a fucking skywriter above and a plane with a pay the writers banner on it. I love writers. <laughs> like, we can be so fucking petty. It's beautiful. One of the fucking most entertaining free shows you can watch right now is like what the writers are writing on their picket sign. <laughs> um, like, uh, on my picket sign, I wrote, and I'm not saying it's most entertaining, but my, you know, you can, they give you a blank sign, you can write whatever you want. And I said, without writers, Hollywood is silent, Bob. You know, very self serving. <laughs> One of my favorite things I ever saw on a fucking board, though, was online. It was uh, this lady was holding the sign that says, a chat G, was it GPT? Mm-hmm. Chat GPT does not have childhood trauma. <laughs> Meaning you're not going to get a good fucking show. Yeah. Pretty clever. Um, so, yeah, that's happening to fucking everywhere. HBO Max is doing it. Disney Plus is doing it. Pulling stuff you either didn't watch or used to watch and love uh, and, and resigning it to the ether. Um, last bit of news, little casting thing, which I find interesting. Um, Venom 3 is happening, whether we want it to or not. I mean, how could it not? Didn't the other one make like a billion dollars? They keep making a billion dollars, or close to it at any rate. And uh, they've cast Chiwetel Ejiofor, the classiest motherfucker in the world, to come be in Venom 3. Do they say who he's playing? They don't say who he's playing. I'm just like, really? I mean, it's... It's a little bit like when I first heard that Glenn Close was going to be in Guardians of the Galaxy. Because I didn't know that Guardians of the Galaxy was going to be any good. And it's like, Glenn Close is in this fucking movie? What's but, happening to Glenn Close? Is she okay? He was, um, well, she's not going to be ignored, Dan. <laughs> um, he was in uh, Doctor Strange. He's though. in Doctor Strange. So he's been in comic book movies. The <laughs> only thing that I bump into is like he's in two Marvel projects as two different characters. Fair. Um, Keely from Ted Lasso is supposed to be in Venom as well. Ooh, yes. Juno, Juno, Temple. Juno Temple, yeah. Uh, yeah, man, they, those Venom movies aren't going to stop. There's going to be a Venom trilogy very soon. Yeah. <laughs> Is that all the news? That's all the news. Give it up for Mark. He gave you the news. We did news! Now, shall we advertise? Indeed. One more time, kids. We got another sponsor on this here show, man. That's how popular we are. And it's the good folks at Blue Chew. Give it up for Blue Chew. How well does Blue Chew work? You get a month free. So you might as well try it, man. You're going to like it, and so will your partner. Unless your partner's like, I can't stand erections. (laughs) Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank the good folks at BlueChew for sponsoring us. Uh, This episode, folks, is sponsored by, partly sponsored by BlueChew. Let's talk about sex. Guys, remember the days, I'm just making this up off the top of my head. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go 
Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, BlueChew.com. Go ahead. I'll take it. Blue no, Chew no, 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 is no, 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 no. I'm just, I'm, I'm, my mind is going through its own mental Blue Chew. It's getting it up for this. Blue <laughs> Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. Oh, I'm sorry. We're going to uh, run DMC. We'll this. go back and forth, yeah. yeah. Uh, you can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises the process is simple sign up at bleachu.com consult with one of their licensed medical providers and once you're approved you'll receive your prescription within days the best part it's all done online kids so no visits to the doctor's office no awkward conversations and no waiting in line at the pharmacy is that a big problem waiting in line at the pharmacy i, I guess you're like Blue i need to fuck bluetooth tablets are made in the usa and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. You could be missing out on the best sex of your life, man. With Blue Chew, men everywhere are excited to see The Postman because the movie with Kevin Costner? <laughs> because when you pa your package has arrived, your package has arrived. They always say first impressions are important. What about lasting impressions? They say there's nothing sexier than confidence, and Blue Chew can help give you the confidence where it counts, man. Blue Chew wants to help you. Have better sex. Discover your uh, options at bluechew.com. Chew it and do it. That's a pretty good fucking slogan right bad. there. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code FATMAN at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code FATMAN, to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank... The good no, folks dude, you got to read that. I did, it, did I did it at the beginning. You I'll do it again. How well does Blue Chew work? Remember I said that before? Yeah. You get a month free, so you might as well try it. You're going to like it, and so will your partner. Do it twice. There it is. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring us. Give it up for Blue Chew. <laughs> Chew it and do it. Uh, okay, we've done our ads, we've done the news. Is yeah. it time for Q&A? I believe it is, my friend. Uh, that means we're going to turn to Banff Man himself to pick the questions. Uh, and, and my God, that means we're almost at the end of our 400th episode of fucking Fat Man Beyond. Y'all having a good time, kids? It's like we always say on this show, just chew it and do it. Here's a Sharpie if you need one. No, these are giveaways. Oh, as part of the giveaways? You're giving away a fucking Adoras? I am, yeah. Why? Because I love these people, Kevin. It's a hard book to get, man. Uh, Mark wrote this book, kids, Adora in the Distance. Dark Horse puts it out. Mark was up for an award at one point, right? His Eisner nominated. His Eisner nominated. Indeed. Uh, um, wonderful fucking story. And so that's going to be part of the prize package? Part of the prize package? For three lucky people whose questions get picked by uh, Banff Man, um, we're, we got our, you know, the Adora book. And uh, Deacon, what is in the 40X bag? Look at this shit. You want to tell us what's in there? Some Guardian stuff and some Fast 10 stuff. So, oh, shit. Can I open it? Can I show people? So, god damn it. There's a Fast X hat. Ooh, and it's a right. snapback. My style and shit. There's two of them. 
at least in this bag. And then um, there's, of course, 40X tickets. How many? Two? Two 40X tickets with two corresponding hats. And then what's this? It's a Guardians of the Galaxy t-shirt? Fucking A, man. You know what? Nobody's getting this shit. I'm taking it. <laughs> Thanks for coming. We're all yes. going on. Uh, so there you go, man. You get a Guardians t-shirt. You get two 40X tickets and two Fast X hats. Thanks to the good folks at 40X, man. Where can they... How do they find... How do they find a 40X theater near them? How many are there? There are 50 plus in the U.S., all in major cities and shit? Closest one here is where? North Hollywood. North Hollywood. And there's one in New York City as well. Um, you go to 40X.com or something like that? <laughs> They're going to fire you unless you know the fucking website. I know. Go online under 40X, men, and find a theater near you, folks. Uh, but th there are going to be people right here in this room going to walk away with it. But it means that even if you're not from the area and shit and you win, you still be able to go see a 40X picture someplace else if you're not in Los Angeles. Anybody here not from Los Angeles? Put your hands together. Woo! Where are you guys from? Where? Denver. Denver. Fucking A. We're in from Colorado? Right on, man. What do you think of our fucked up city? <laughs> it's wonderful, isn't it? Uh, where else? Somebody from someplace else? Where? San Diego. San Diego. The fuck, man? That's California. <laughs> The faraway land of San Diego. Um, okay, what do you think, Bamp Man? What we got? All right, we had a lot of good questions. I picked my three favorite that YouTube is going to yell at me at, but I closed my computer, so I won't see it. Do uh, we have any super chat people? No, I didn't have. Those fuckers pay money, man. <laughs> I didn't well, have. To be fair, these people also paid money. Yeah, good point. Good point. <laughs> but they paid him the fucking money. Uh, okay, Jonah. First question, Jonah. Jonah. Jonah, where are you at, Colazzo. man? Come on, right, up, come, on Jonah. Up. come on up, Jonah. Give it up for Jonah. He's asking the first question. All right, with the Jay and Silent Bob uh, cruise coming, I wanted to know if you guys could go on a cruise with either a comic, uh, cinematic franchise, or a TV franchise, who would it be? That's a good question, and it also gives me a chance to plug... Uh, Jay and Silent Bob's Cruise Askew happens in February of 2024. We're going to leave Miami, go to the Bahamas, and then come on back to Miami. Three fucking days. And uh, it's more entertainment than you can shake a stick at. If you like fucking Kevin Smith stuff, oh my God. Uh, Jason Mew is going to be there. Brian O'Halloran, Jeff Anderson. Uh, I don't know if they announced the other guy, but, and I, you know, I can't say it. But there's another guy who's been in my movies and. It's me. Yes. I'm gonna <laughs> there he is, right there. Yeah, what? Uh, Mark Bernardin is going to be there. We'll be doing Fat Man Beyond. We'll be doing Hollywood Babylon. We'll be doing Jay and Silent Bob Get Old. We'll be doing Edumacation. Um, it's a real, it's, it's a good time. And I honestly thought when uh, Jordan, uh, Jay Muse's wife, she runs our company and stuff, she was like, we're going to do a, a cruise. I was like, this is where this shit falls apart, man. I said, I we'll probably set sail with less than 50%. And we're already at like 75% sold out and shit. So join up at Jay and Silent Bob Cruise Askew if you're into that sort of thing. Get lost on the high, or in my case, not so high seas, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, okay, the question is, who would I like to go on a cruise with? Yeah, either a cinematic, comic, or a TV franchise. <sighs> not the cast of Jaws, I'll tell you that fucking much. <laughs> 
Um, you know, it's deep cuts, but like fucking for safety's sake, you know, I'd go with the Mariner from fucking Waterworld. He seemed to get yeah. shit done on the high seas and whatnot. Plus, he could breathe underwater. Mm. That's one of my favorite moments in an action movie of all time when he fucking like shoots a fucking spear at somebody and hits him right next to the head and the guy looks at him from his plane and then Kevin Costner goes. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's one of my choices. Uh, who else? Oh, fucking Bobby Drake, Iceman. Because if fucking shit goes south, like freeze all this shit. If a shark's coming for you, freeze that fucking thing. Obviously, sharks are a big thing in my life. Um, and uh, who else is good with uh, water? Oh, the fucking uh, Zan and Jaina, the Wonder Twins. Because the one motherfucker, all I could work with was water. <laughs> you? I, w- I was tempted to be like the Love Boat crew. Like, but like it's like whatever. It's another day for them. Isaac? Hey. Julie, the cruise director. Julie, your cruise director? Um... And then I started going your route, like I like people who were good on boats and on the water. I'm like, oh, fucking Captain Jack Sparrow would be fun to be on a cruise with. Oh shit! Except all of his boats sink, so like less (laughs) less fun. And then I'm like, I'm gonna go on a cruise with like the Ocean's Eleven crew, because then we can heist the fucking boat. That would have been my pick, (laughs) right? And then, but they're also like having a good time while doing it. Like they all seem like they're cool to hang out with. They like like good deli. Like I'm a big fan of people who who dig on the food. So I go Ocean's Eleven. I go Danny Ocean and, and company. Um, and I'll make it. I'll, I'll get richer for being on that cruise because we'll have stolen all of the cruise's money. Um, Yoda, just to see him in a bathing suit. <laughs> Bluechew.com, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Green Chew. Um, yeah, fucking. Uh, what do you got, Banff man? Gilligan's Island. It's a three-hour tour that turned lasted into for twenty year, fucking years. Yeah, Ten-year vacation. True, man. You'll learn how to make a zillion things out of a fucking coconut, except a boat that will get you off the fucking island. Uh, excellent fucking question, man. You win. Give it up for him, ladies and gentlemen. Jonah gets to take home Adora in the distance in a 40X bag. Don't leave me hanging. <laughs> Don't forget what? Oh, is that what that's for? Shit, man. I, I signed three, and I was like, what greedy motherfucker bought three? Also, you get to move away from the camera, Jonah. Fuck. <laughs> Jonah's going to walk away with one of these amazing fucking prints by the Dark Knight. Uh, 400. Nate Gonzalez. Look at this. Our Batman 400. This is an absolute fucking framer. Can't you get this put on a t-shirt as well? Where's your website? Uh, TheDarkKnightReturns.com. It might end up on TeePublic, but TeePublic will probably take it down within like two days. Why? Because it because... Like copyright, yeah. Well, I wouldn't complain and I'm featured prominently and shit. It's not you. It's Warner Brothers, David Zoslav and shit. It's a, a parody law. Parody yeah. law. You, they do have Empire Strips Back, which is Star Wars burlesque. You can't put Kevin and Mark in hats. That's a parody. Do we have to take our clothes off? Is that what it is? <laughs> you want to see that? Go to Jane Silent Bob's Cruise Askew. <laughs> see me and Mark in bathing suits. Uh, Jonah, you get this as well. Give it up for Jonah. Uh, okay. Yeah, roll it up and put it in the bag. That's a good idea. All right, what do we got, Banff man? Martin Ponce. Martin. 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 What's up, y'all? Martin. How y'all been? Give it up for Hello. Martin, everybody. What Hello? do you got, Martin? Can you, can you hear me okay? We can hear you. All right. Um, so my question was, uh, because of the writer's strike, um, 
if you could create a silent film, mm -hmm. no dialogue at all, mm -hmm. based on any fandom, Marvel, DC, whatever, mm -hmm. um, what would it be and why would it be so entertaining with zero dialogue? Um, uh, as a man mob. who's made two half-silent movies called Jay and Silent Bob, um, I think I might have to disqualify myself or at least go second. <laughs> you go first. All right. A silent movie about somebody, okay. I mean, part of me really wants to do like Jackie Chan shit because that stuff, it, it transcends dialogue to such a degree that, that, and he's so emotive that you kind of, you always know what's happening in those movies, even if you saw them without subtitles or without a dub. Um, so like Project A 2.5 or whatever would be fucking great. Armor of Gold 2, give me that. Um, but comic book wise, um, Daredevil. Oh shit! You know, I think you took away his sight. Now you're taking away his sound as well. I mean, <laughs> he can hear. He's just not saying anything. You know, and I think the the idea. Oh no! Fuck Snake Eyes. Every story with Snake Eyes is a silent story. So just we'll do that. They already solved that problem for me. Fucking been... Snake Eyes and Silent Bob, man. <gasps> a wordless fucking film and shit. Um, I, you know, just to see if you could pull it off, I would like to see Glengarry Glen Ross done as a silent film. <laughs> it's a movie that's one of the most dialogue-heavy movies of all time. Um, I guess... Let me see, man. What movies have I loved and they're action-y? But they don't. You know, I would take a fucking Michael Keaton Batman movie silent just because I'd take a Michael Keaton Batman movie any day. And if that's one more variety of it, I would take that. But you can get away with a silent Batman. Like, generally, he don't fucking talk. He's not mm -hmm. supposed to talk. And if he's chatty, he's Reacher. Ooh, so, we... <laughs> Reacher. Silent fucking Reacher. All he does is break necks, and he doesn't even fucking tell you why. Like, and everybody wants to say something, he just fucking neck punches You're like, him. no, no, snap. <laughs> I'd like a Buster Keaton Batman. A Buster Keaton Batman? <laughs> yeah. Where buildings fall around him. Uh. And he's like... um, Banff Man, you got one yourself? Sequel to Coda. Mm. Wow. Deep so cuts. It's all signed. Just fucking break my heart again. Batman. Yeah, really. Here come the tears. That was like the ugliest cry I've had in a long time. Coda? Coda. Apparently oh, you haven't lost an 18-year-old doction, my friend. I, but I'm just talking about a movie, man. <laughs> good point, good point. Um, all right, great fucking question. Give it up for him, ladies and gentlemen. You win all this fine swag. Goddamn pleasure. All right, Banff man, take us there. All right, last one, Daniel Roberts. Daniel, come join us, Daniel. Danny! Oh, Danny boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling. Hey, man. Hey, guys. Hey, man. Excellent fucking shirt. Excellent oh. shirt. Good pun. Thank you. <laughs> um, my question is um, a little bit of a two-parter, but first part is just what are some of your favorite memories over these past 400 episodes of doing Batman Beyond, Batman on Batman? Um, my personal one is just uh, that makes me laugh the most when you guys do Disney After Dark. <laughs> so you guys would just sometimes break into dirty versions of Beauty and the Beast or Aladdin. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I would love a reprise of any of those if you would love to. <laughs> Disney uh, After Dark. Yeah, Disney After Dark. <laughs> Fucking um, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. So much sex. That's not gum under the table. <laughs> um, what have been my, some of my favorite memories? Uh, most of my favorite memories is in regards to the show generally happened right here in this bar. We've had uh, so many wonderful like live shows back in the day, which, you know, night after night when we would do it, when we were on a, a roll and we were doing it like weekly and stuff, um, it was like a happy place uh, for me, coming here and fucking letting go of life for a little while. And the familiarity of uh, fucking people like that. You, this, you know, I, I've, I do lots of live shows. And for the last 20 years that I've lived in Los Angeles, I've done a lot of live shows in town. But like whenever we do Babylon, I don't really see the crowd. You know, I mean, I see a crowd, but I don't see faces. But like coming here for fucking years and seeing Jamie, you know, cat ears, fucking, where are your cat ears, by the way? 400th episode, you didn't wear the fucking cat ears, man. Go home. Um, Get the ears. Seeing Nate here, show after show. Like, Nate went from being a guy who came to the shows to fucking being the guy who did the artwork, does the artwork for the shows, one of the most integral parts of the fucking show. And it wasn't always the, the case. Like, you know, we, our friendship and our business partnership grew because he came to the show. And because it, this space allows for you to make eye contact with people. Like, there's not a bad seat at Scum and Villainy. Um, doing the show here and watching the bar grow, watching JC's business go from like, you know, when, it, when he started, it was a pop-up bar that was meant to last for a couple fucking months. And then one day he was like, this could actually be a business. And watching it transition to that and watching like the fucking pandemic come in, nearly fucking kill it and watching him survive that and, and thrive afterwards. Um, those are really great memories. Standing next to Mark and having Mark like give out amazing ideas for fucking free and being like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Um, listening to Mark break things down as a writer, you know, and I say that as a supposed writer myself, but like listening to him fucking break things down and be like, oh my God, I hadn't thought of it that way. You know, this show, I, I love Babylon, don't get me wrong, but unlike Babylon, our chief job there is to like fucking make you laugh, make you laugh, make you laugh. This show is allowed to be quiet from time to time. And, and that's something I've always appreciated about Fat Man Beyond. Um, we we def definitely try to, you know, bring a tickle your funny bone, but it's not the first priority. Like, here we get to nerd out. Here I get to talk about things in ways that I don't get to talk about them anymore in the outside world. You know, I'm, I've been married for, uh, we hit 24 years fairly recently, and, and you know, we watch a lot of fucking, uh, well, thank you. She's not watching, so fucking she ain't gonna hear it. Um, but, uh, you know, I, she dutifully, during the pandemic, started watching some Marvel shit with me and, and definitely got into it and whatnot. But, and that was fun on its own level where I could be, she'd be like, what does that mean? And I was like, oh, pause, let me tell you the whole backstory and shit. But the idea of, you know, my childhood was spent talking about the shit I love, deep dives and deep cuts, conversations that would 
last for a long time. One of my favorite things about my friendship with Walter Flanagan back in the day was talking deeply about things that nobody would ever really discuss fucking deeply, going deep into Batman lore, DC lore, Marvel lore and stuff. And so, you know, I don't get that a lot in my daily life, but in doing this show, you could really fucking nerd out. And not with the fucking pressing need to like, well, I better say something fucking funny. The whole stretches of this show, even tonight, where it wasn't about making people laugh. It was about, really? Is that fucking true? And just gossiping, you know, fucking doing the news, like hearing about shit. It's a lot of shit that I heard about here that like I didn't read about in other places over the years. Um, so, so much of this show is, is a happy place for me. It's always fun to come to a full house and try to be entertaining. And clearly, whatever broken aspect of my personality that demands that I be in front of people and fucking be the center of attention brings me to a live forum. But like in this live forum, it hasn't always been about the codependency of like, I'm funny, please fucking love me. It's been about having discussions. It's been about talking about things that I love dearly with people that love those same things just as dearly. And every once in a while, we can laugh about the similarities of something or the hilarious aspects of their nature or something. But being around like-minded individuals in a safe place, you know, I mean, I don't want to fucking tempt fate, but knock wood, like, this place is right on Hollywood Boulevard. And for those who aren't here, it is fucking terrifying on Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> Anybody could fucking walk in here and fucking do bad things to us and nothing bad ever happens here. You know, it's, we're in a bar and fucking people could be assholes. Traditionally, when you go to bars, people get drunk and that leads to hostility and fucking potential violence. Never fucking seen that happen here, man. Bunch of like-minded individuals coming and celebrating. When I was a kid, I used to go to church. I was a Catholic kid, and I was dragged to fucking church my whole life and shit. Made a whole ass movie about it once. But, like, this has become my chosen faith. This is, like, going to mass for me. It's funny that we're doing it on a Sunday, because it is very much that. We come together, we congregate over something that we celebrate. The celebration of fucking all things pop. All things of the, of the culture that pops. So uh, I've got specific memories and shit. Like, I'll never forget Mark giving away that fucking amazing fucking Sleeping Beauty story and shit. <laughs> like, where I was like, that is legit fucking wonderful. You could sell that. Um, uh, some of the jokes that, like, didn't, I didn't think would fucking land that popped up that became a thing. Uh, watching JC become Banff Man, like the third official person on the fucking show, and to the point where... You know, JC was over at fucking Star Wars Celebration as we showed the video on one of the shows. And people fucking recognized him from this show. You know, not anymore because now he looks like a dude from the Ninja Turtles movie. But <laughs> <laughs> so everything about this show over the years and particularly doing it here. I mean, don't get me wrong. When we stream it from home, that's incredibly convenient and stuff. But like coming to this place and being around all of you as really done wonders for me at a time when uh, I really needed that. Um, so yeah, uh, nothing but fucking golden memories of doing the show. You got to remember this show started as like me talking by myself to people that worked on Batman. 
you know, and, and I, over the years, and I've never fucking a month goes by without somebody being like, I miss that version of the show. Um, and I, I, like, I gotta say, I don't. Like, I love what the show evolved into. Uh, as much as it was beautiful when I started it and because it was filling some sort of fucking need for me, I, I didn't realize how much I needed what this show would eventually become. So I absolutely love doing Fat Man Beyond, and I love doing it here, man. <laughs> Top that, motherfucker. Uh, well, this, this actually is not my 400th episode of Fat Man Beyond. This is like I started, I think it was like 78, mm. maybe 77, 78, something and you're like, hey, Come in, let's talk about Batman. F pick up your favorite, uh, your 10 favorite Batman stories and we'll talk about it. That was, that was the memo. Was that, that was it? the brief. Um, you're like, yeah, we'll talk about your 10 favorite Batman stories. I'm like, you're like, right. I'm going to pick my 300th favorite Batman <laughs> just, stories. And just do it you forever. wait. And so I wrote down a fucking list. And then you're like, no, wait. There's this fucking Peter Weller. Um, he's doing the Dark Knight Return. Dark Knight, yeah, returns. As a two-parter. Let's, let's just fucking, we'll go see the first one and then we'll do a commentary track for it. And then that became commentary tracks. And that became like, Fucking okay, let's just do the utility belt. Let's 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 turn it into a thing. Oh my god, I utility forgot belt about was the just like this belt. little fucking segment in the middle of it which, where we did like the news and shit yeah, yeah. and all this catch-all. Let's unpack it. the utility belt for this week, kids. Um, but my the the thing that I remember the most is when the internet discovered that I was black <laughs> <laughs> because because like. I know, surprise. Um, <laughs> I've been keeping it secret this whole For time. Episode 400, <laughs> surprise. <laughs> Look what happened, you guys. Um, because for the first chunk of those things, like there were no cameras. It was just an audio podcast. It was just me going to his house and talking about shit. And sometimes that shit would be whatever, the nerd shit of the week, or we saw a Batman movie, let's do a commentary track for Batman Returns, that'd be great. And then sometimes that shit was like, Let's talk about things like representation. Let's talk about things like, um, you know, diversity and inclusion. And people didn't know why I gave a shit about that stuff until like JC showed up and was like, "Let's put a couple cameras in here. Like, let's put a GoPro." <laughs> people were like, this. "Jesus, your friend Mark is woke." Yeah, but before I was like, the he's word, more than woke. <laughs> just, just you wait. And, uh, and, and the minute we put up cameras, there was this little baby meme that went around for like a couple of weeks that was just like, wait, Mark's black? <laughs> because there is nothing about my name that betrays my race. There is, as my mother would very fondly say when she put me on the phone with like the power company and shit, like you don't sound black unless you want to sound black, you know? And so you can be an ambassador of the family into the white world and get on the phone and they won't know. And you can just, you, yeah, you can be that person. And so once the camera- You have a secret identity, man. I do, as the like the con ed con man. <laughs> um, but once the cameras went up and it became this like little blip of news within this community, they're like, oh shit, okay, interesting, moving on. And as time passed on the podcast and as the world began to shift, being able to have a conversation with people who were already on my side, we already had a bridge together. We already had common ground because we love this stuff. And then the world broke in half 
Some would say splintered in a thousand pieces. Splinter, short film. Um, <laughs> see, things I learned plug, from Kev. Plug, yes, yes, well done. The other thing I take from it. Um, but as the world shifted and changed, being able to speak to an audience with lived experience as to what it is like to be this person in this world, aside from the fact that we all share love for Marvel and DC, less DC than Marvel, but whatever, um, and Star Wars and Star Trek, and the nerd world was our world, and we got to have common ground there, to then have conversations that are outside of that and being able to have them with honesty and with clarity and with no misgivings about intention was just, oh, shit, I never thought about it that way is so much of that conversation that I've had. And being able to interact with his audience, which is vast and deep, but not overwhelmingly brown. And then being able to sort of explain to people how I see the world and how being me has turned me into this person who can love all of these things, but still be understanding and aware of, of both my role in society, the, the way society and prints rolls upon me, but just being able to have honest conversations and being able to talk to people. And I think that that's what a podcast ultimately does is it shares ideas. Sometimes we're on board for those ideas. Sometimes those ideas challenge us. But to being able to have these conversations with people that I wouldn't be able to have conversations with, I'm, I was like the internet's black friend for a little bit. And then being able to talk to people about stuff like that has been incredibly rewarding for me. And in some cases challenging and in some cases scary because there's always a segment of the population that doesn't want to have these conversations, that doesn't want to engage with faith on, on topics that frighten them or, or you know, scare them or they disagree with or challenge their perspectives on the world. It's being able to enter into that part of this, of, of this part of my life with a sense of clarity and with confidence. I mean, this podcast taught me how to speak in front of people. You know, it taught me mm. to trust myself when talking in front of people to be able to go out on a wire of a story and know that I'm going to find a place to land it even though I had no idea where I was going to start it and I'm a little lost in the middle of it but I can bring a story home because I've done this for 322 times like I've kind of figured it out but it's that thing of being able to connect with people who I ordinarily wouldn't be able to connect with and more for them to be able to connect with me and to understand that like, we're not that different at the end of the day. We all kind of want the same things at the end of the day. Even though you might be told by a dozen different places, you don't and we don't. It's not true, let's talk about it. You know, when I was on Twitter, that was my favorite part of it, was being able to engage with an audience and have conversations about ideas and perspectives and being able to challenge what they thought and being able to be challenged by what they thought. Um, that's been for me the great gift of this podcast is being able to, to interact with people I never would have met in a million years and hopefully change some minds by being a person they never would have interacted with in a million years. Fucking beautiful. Give it up for that. Oh, God. Never, uh, never occurred to me, but we're kind of like the fucking uh, white men can't jump a fucking podcast. <laughs> Either that or the different strokes, and I'm fucking Mr. Drummond and you're Arnold. That's about the power dynamic, I think. <laughs> or going even further back, Silver Streak, Pryor, and fucking yes, Gene absolutely. Wilder and shit. Stir Be crazy. Bad. Yes. <laughs> I see Banff Man's got the mic. He's got something to fucking I got, say. I got some. I remember, because you guys were doing the show at Defy. 
Yes. In yeah. Beverly Hills. And Jordan called me and was like, I think we're going to get a space. And it was at, with Grunberg right around the time you were guys were doing the Because you out were there show. as well, too. Right? I didn't do Defy. Jordan brought me in after Defy. Like, I took over the show from Defy, which is mm. probably probably around 150-ish. Um, and we did it there, and then we did it in your living room. And we would, me and Andrew would show up, and we'd shoot like three episodes at a time or something. When they were like half an hour each. Yeah. Just remember the idea. The, the, yeah. the idea being the internet really only wants short shit, so we're going to do 25-minute <laughs> episodes. And then... As uh, we head into hour three of tonight's <laughs> podcast. Uh, but then I'll never forget the first show we did here. It was like electric. And at like 2.30 in the morning, you texted me. And you were just like, that was crazy. That was so much fun. Like, how do I get in on this? Like, it was... So I'll never forget that. Because I was still awake, too. I was like, oh, my God, that was so much fun. Because I don't think we'd ever done it with an audience, either. No, we, we've done we've done like a lot of filmed shows at, at Grunberg's studio mm -hmm. and then at the house. But, like... Had we, we had, ever we had been on the road? We did it once in England. Yeah, we did it at a convention in England in like 2014, maybe. Right. I think. And then we had started to do like, we went to Detroit, we went to Arizona. That's right. We, we did to, it at the, at the free at the film festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, so we did, there was a couple of years where we were actually kind of like, let's go to Indianapolis. We'll do it. Let's go to fucking Canada and do it. But we had never had a home base. We never thought about like selling tickets on a regular basis. We never thought about a residency the way this oh is. my god that's right we have a residency this is like our vegas show i always thought i remember the first time we came here that that booth and when i do the show i always think about that in my head that booth was where we were going to be um but jc was like stand behind the bar and i was like well that's never gonna work and uh and that's also an aspect of this show that I don't share with the other live shows I've done, like whether it be Jay and Silent Bob Get Old or Hollywood Babylon, those are seated shows. This show has always kind of been on its feet. Mm -hmm. Like whenever we're here, we're on our feet doing the show and it makes a difference. There's a different dynamic to it as well. Back the, um, the other thing is the pandemic shows we did, mm -hmm. which we had some really cool guests like Malcolm Barrett, I remember that show, and the Matt Shackman show when yeah. WandaVision came out, we got like, you know, I was the, the hottest two shows and we had the head guys of those, um, but also the pandemic shows for me because like we were consistent. Yeah. Sometimes we would do like two shows in a week and that was like my hanging out. And it's started depending on what the law was at the time, like we'd either be here with like plexiglass. Do you remember there was plexi between me and Mark for a while? Well, like, first we it was... Like it oh, like Billy. We, yeah, we had to be like nine feet away, so we had the table between us. Yes. And then it was, all right, we can be closer, but we got the fucking plexiglass and the danger but, averted, <laughs> ship safe. But, and we. <laughs> you have, have been and always <laughs> shall be my friend. How do you like my solution to no win scenario? The, um, the cool thing for me, though, was, you know, the. Like, I found out I was going to have a kid on Thursday. We shut the bar down on Sunday. On Thursday, I canceled my wedding. So it was a pretty intense time. 
And like coming in here and doing the shows with you guys and then doing them from home and then coming back here and doing them here and then doing them from home. That was like the only human interaction I had outside of Jen, um, which was really cool. And then I also got like we didn't do baby shower. We didn't have our friends like none of our friends saw Jen pregnant. Think about that. Like none of our friends saw saw her pregnant. We our entire time was in a vacuum so i got to share my story with the world every week of like what it's like to own a small business during this time and what it's like to about to have a baby at this time and and even after she was born like what that was like and so this was my outlet for getting to share like i'm gonna be a dad that I didn't get anywhere else. So like that was really, really cool. Um, and I think Jen's pissed because like she didn't have that outlet at all. <laughs> I'm going to go hang out with my friends and talk about the kid. Um, She's like, I'm going to raise the kid. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, and then just here, like Rick Baker, Marcus and McFeely, uh, Mark with Malcolm Barrett behind the bar was like, I mean, like everybody peed their pants that night. Um, Watchmen so black. Well, always. yeah, Zach Stentz, who was here, and um, and Grant Morrison was like one of our first guests. Oh my god, that's yeah. right. We had fucking Grant Morrison live, um, here. and he was talking about like Wonder Woman and the people who created Wonder Woman were all like, into bondage, into bondage, <laughs> and the truth. Like it was. I just feel like there's been so much cool stuff that like you can't even remember it all. That's good. I mean, that's what life should be, a series of fucking so much cool shit that you can't remember at all. It'd be sad if it's like, I remember the 10 things that ever happened to me and that was it. But like, we've got so much constant joy going on with this show, so much discovery, so much fun that like, it's tough to nail down like a bunch of memories. It's all, I have no bad memories in regards to the show whatsoever. No trauma in regards to Fat Man Beyond. Um... Yeah, man, it's been wild. It's been wild watching you become a personality. Like, to go from a writer to, like, a guy whose comic timing is on fucking point and stuff like that, and to watch you become famous. You know, my my kid is often talked about, whenever I try to drag my kid into one of my fucking projects, uh, she generally at first is like, oh, my God, please, not another thing. And then relents because she's like, you know, you know, one day you're going to die. And I'm like, fucking thanks, man. <laughs> and she's like, and I don't want to regret saying no, just because some people on the Internet are like, oh, you always work with your dad. But she's like, but she's like, I figured out your love language is that you pull people in to do a thing. Like, I don't hang out with people like, you know, it's not like I'll leave here and I go bowling with fucking friends and shit. Every friend I have, I always bring into a world where I'm like, well, why are we having this conversation without an audience? Like, come fucking do this and let's do a thing together. And so my love language has always been to like bring people into the thing that makes me happiest in life, making movies, fucking being in front of people, doing a show, so forth and so on. So whenever you see me doing a thing with somebody, that's the highest esteem I have for a person to be like, come and play. Um, cause that's the only place I really kind of play. And, uh, you and I have been playing for a long fucking time. It was like finding somebody in childhood 
that knew how to play Star Wars correctly. <laughs> and, you know what I'm saying? And, and had the opposite figures. Yes. You know? So we complement one, one another. Yeah, man, it's, it's been a really good fucking run. And uh, it's a shame it's over now. No. There's <laughs> no 401. Uh, we'll keep fucking going, man. Wouldn't it be nice to one day get to like Fat Man 1000 or something like that? We're all... <laughs> I mean, you'll all have to come to the nursing home with us. When yes. you <laughs> As they wheel us out, we drool and we're like, fucking welcome to <laughs> Jeff's kiss. And our teeth fall out. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, this show has eclipsed and straddled just about every major life experience for me the last 10 years, going from being a journalist to a professional writer, all of the fucking trauma and drama in between all of that. And all of it is because, and I, I will say it gladly and proudly, is when Kevin asked me to do a thing, I say yes. Like, everybody's like, hey, man, do you want to co-host a podcast with me? I'm like, sure, Kev. Hey, man, do you mind if we put up cameras? Sure, Kev. Hey, man, do you want to go on the road? Absolutely. Hey, man, should we go hang out at this bar and do this once a week? Yeah, man. Hey, should we do this on Zoom? Sure. Hey, you want to be in this movie? Y yeah. Hey, do you want to write a He-Man episode? Yes, I do. How about this next thing? Darren Tootin. Hey, Kev, can I have some lines? No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I never ask. I made a career out of being quiet in movies. You could do the same fucking thing. I never ask him, just a little crestfallen when it doesn't happen. And then I also then realized that, well, that's also the highest compliment because that's the role he would give himself, is the person who doesn't say anything. So, like anybody can say a line. Can you sit there silently and make them love you? And you can. I try. The only thing I've never asked is, like, hey, man, let's jerk each other off. That's Fat Man 500. All right. This episode is brought to you by Blue Chew. <laughs> Chew it and do it. That's a free ad, Blue Chew. Um, yeah, man, there's a lot of love in this room. And, and uh, it's, you know, not just between me and him and us and him. Uh, it's with us and the audience. And it's with us and, and people at home. But the audience here in this room, a lot of which is repeat cats, regulars, if you will. Makes it feel like a living, breathing version of Cheers to some degree, man. And that always looked fun when you watch that show. It's like, oh man, fucking, that'd be a cool thing. I, I'm not a drinker, and I've never spent any time in bars, and yet I've spent an inordinate amount of time in this bar, and it's really shaped and changed my opinion about fucking bars and drinkers in general as well. I used to be pretty judgy. Uh, now, not so much, because I found a bar full of like-minded individuals where everybody knows my name, at least. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a great fucking question, man. Excellent fucking job. Thank you. It was good fucking times, man. I got to walk down memory lane and shit like that. Uh, next time we do this, I'm sure we'll stream uh, between now and then, but we're doing this live again, uh, and it may happen here before this happens, but we're doing, when is it? Um, back at Smod Castle. August. August. Anybody know the date? 25th. That's right. August 25th, yeah. we'll be returning to uh, Smod Castle to do Fat Man Beyond. Mark's coming out to Jersey. 
uh, tickets at smodcastlecinemas.com. You're all invited. Everybody could come. Come to Jersey. I a got lot more apartment. seats there. Yeah, fuck. Road trip. Literally seats, but no liquor. Um, so, yeah. Oh. Show's a lot tougher when there's no booze, trust me. Um, and then the next night we're doing, you know, Mark, when we did an episode of uh, Fat Man Beyond, joked about doing uh, the Ides of Mark. Um, where he did a film festival and we wound up taking the joke and actually doing it and putting it up at Smodcastle. So last time we did Fat Man Beyond there, Mark talked about doing another festival called Keep Calm and Curry On, a Tim Curry film festival. And so we didn't do a film festival, but the next night, August 26th, we're doing a double feature called Keep Calm and Curry On where we're showing Clue and then followed by Legend and we'll both be there hosting and stuff. So if you're on the East Coast and you're like, fuck, that looks good, I wish I could fucking go there and stuff, number one, make your way out here, like uh, the mecca of geek uh, paradises uh, here to the Scum and Villainy Cantina. But if you can't do that, uh, and you're on the East Coast and you wanna see us do this kind of thing live, come to Smodcastle Cinemas uh, August 25th and 26th. You can get tickets for that right now. Uh, I'll be going back to Jersey this weekend coming up a week from today we're doing a screening of jersey girl the snyder cut <laughs> longest cut of jersey girl that has never been fucking seen and stuff like that um bunch of stuff going on at smodcastle cinemas this summer i'm probably going to be back east for a few months because we got some shit to do back there uh so if you're looking for me uh out here probably i won't be here as much as i will be back there but I get back here the first week in August, and so you better be sure that we'll be back here in the bar. It'd be nice to keep uh, to get this going on a regular basis again. Because when when JC was like, you, "You guys haven't done it since April of 2022," I was like, "Where the fuck were we? Where have we been?" And clerks. the convenience tour took up a lot. Making clerks, cutting clerks, and then touring clerks took up a lot of time and stuff. Then I went crazy, <laughs> and then. Uh, and then I bought the movie theater, so I've been spending a lot of time back east. But uh, yeah, come August, there'll be a lot more uh, Fat Man Beyond right here at Scum and Villainy uh, in Hollywood, on Hollywood Boulevard. That's another aspect of this place that like, really fucking does it for me. I was a kid who loved the idea of Hollywood, being from New Jersey. And one of my favorite vacations I ever took was when my father was like, you know, fucking, he's got three kids, but the fucking, you know, I was the one that was way into this shit. And he told my mom, like, well, the fat one likes Hollywood, so let's fucking, let's go to Hollywood. And so I came out here at age nine. I've talked about before going to uh, the Chinese theater, looking at the footprints and shit like that. And then years later, I got to have my footprints uh, at the Chinese theater. So being in Hollywood has always been a big, fucking deal to me are we signing these they're ours they're oh. ours okay uh, what's up levi how are you man to sign okay so we'll do these so hollywood has always been you know i, I know a lot of like it's very fashionable on fucking twitter for a percentage of the audience to be like fucking hollywood um, in a weird political way and shit. But Hollywood, to me, has always represented um, something that meant something to me, somewhere I always wanted to go and always wanted to be. It's, there's a reason why both Jay and Silent Bob movies are about people that want to fucking go to Hollywood, even though they want to go to stop a fucking thing. But 
there's a journey to it. And, and that has everything to do with like the Muppet movie when I was a kid. Going to see the Muppet movie. and That's for me. That's not for That's yours, my bad. Um, and I've, all, I've always identified with that story. Loved it since I saw it when I was a kid because going to Hollywood was something I always dreamed about. And, and you know, I live in Hollywood technically. And I now work in Hollywood and right on Hollywood Boulevard. You know, we walk outside this place and there are stars on the fucking sidewalk. Um, There's an open one, Kevin Smith fan club, just saying. Yeah, one day right fucking front. we'll make that happen. Um, one day, I, I do. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not a nakedly ambitious man, but I do want to, before I fucking leave this best of all possible worlds, get a fucking star on Hollywood Boulevard, but I'm in no rush. But when it happens, it'd be so fucking appropriate if it was right outside of this place. But doing the show here in Hollywood on Hollywood Boulevard like means something to me. I was always happy when you opened this place for that very reason. I was like, Jesus, you don't get more Hollywood than being on Hollywood Boulevard in fucking Hollywood. So Or more expensive. Yeah, fucking <laughs> talk to him about rent. Jesus Christ. Um, but it, it's it's that's a big part of why I enjoy this so fucking much. Every time I come here to do a show, not only is it like filling some fucking you know desperate need to be loved and shit but it's also filling some childhood wish of like that seems like a wonderful place to go and y'all give me a wonderful place to go whenever we do this show so i thank you from the bottom of my heart everybody in this room uh for giving us a reason to fucking come here and gather time and time again uh it's taken a fucking year and change to get back here but here we are, man. It meant the world to me to do this here tonight. Y'all have a good time this evening, kids. We cannot do this show on Hollywood Boulevard here in Hollywood at the Scum and Villainy Cantina without the fucking man who owns and operates this place. Give it up for the barkeep himself, Bamf Man JC. And this show would not be what it is, ladies and gentlemen, without the very educated man, a very heartfelt man, uh, one of my closest friends in the fucking world who stands next to me to my left. Give it up for the one and only Mark Bernard. And that, my friends, is Fat Man Beyond number 400 for this week. I'm Kevin Smith. I am Mark Bernard. Tune in next time. Same fat time, same fat channel, smartcast.com or youtube.com slash Kevin Smith. Jeff's kiss, everybody! This has been a Smodco Internet production. Sit. Only at smodcast.com. <laughs>